While we're waiting for confirmation from you guys that we're feeding through, everything's good, audio and all that kind of stuff's coming through well, I want to remind everyone to go to hankstrange.com. That is the best way to support us in these uncertain times. I, I hate that. I really, I hate seeing a commercial where they're talking about in these uncertain times. But anyway, you want to support us, go to hankstrange.com. Uh, you can sign up for our email list over there. You can find out all the different ways you can support us, links to merchandise, um, deals, all that kind of stuff that we have going on. Lola wants me to remind everyone to go to Sportsman's Guide. And if you spend 100 bucks or over and you use the code HANK20, you get 20 bucks off um, everything except ammo. So that's, you know, that's just how it goes these days. So Sportsman's Guide, Hank 20, and I think that goes till the end of the year. So also I want to thank Walther Arms for uh, sponsoring the podcast here. We appreciate them. It looks like everything's going through. Please folks out there, smash the thumbs ups, ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live. Um, and let's see what else. Uh, I think that's it here. I am going to press the button and get this going. Boom! To the Hank Strange situation. I think I have been forgetting of to do this for a while here. Getting getting the whole uh, getting the whole opening thing going. So there you go. We got it going. These gentlemen have been here before, so they know about the jazz hands. Let's get those jazz hands going, guys. Come on. Let's. I got get... one because I'm promoting with the other hand. Oh, okay, okay. Pincus is promoting. Let's see, Yehuda. Yehuda is doing jazz hands. Okay. I hope you got your big girl panties on, because we are live. This is episode 551 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Hank Strange, and uh, tonight's episode is called Responsible Rebellion, with Rob Pincus explaining that to us, and Yehuda Rima, the Pew Pew Jew, also joining, joining in, uh, bringing sanity to the show, I'm guessing. Is that, is that why you're here? <laughs> Yehuda, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, my wife would tell you you're insane. Yeah, okay, exactly. When the word sanity came out of my mouth, I was like, eh, I don't know if that was the best yeah, choice. No. Yeah. I so. think that might be the first I think that might be the first time someone's ever put me in the word sanity in one sentence together. <laughs> right, right. Well, Pew Pew Jew, Yehuda Rima, he's here joining us. We've got Rob Pincus also. Um Pincus? There is uh, something weird about you, man. You look. Uh, what, what is this? It, for for the lockdown, you're not. Uh, you you can't go to the barber shop, so you just shaved everything off. What's the deal here? Yeah. So this is this has been coming. Now, traditionally, when I have ended a relationship, oh boy, in the last ten or fifteen years, fifteen twenty years, I have shaved to kind of start the facial hair growth again. Mm-hmm. This last divorce took like eighteen months. So I never really got around to the complete clean shave because it was really unclear, like legal status versus dating status versus separation versus cohabitating. It was a mess. Then coronavirus happened. And as we all know, I kind of started beating people up about not, you know, those big 2009 operator tribute beards that people love. On- <laughs> you can't get a good seal with your, your respirator if you need it. Now, mm-hmm. as it turns out, we, we don't need it. We don't have an aerosol virus that, you know, we need to worry about like contagion style 28 days later, you know, outbreak, mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman stuff. So we don't really need the seal, but I was already so close. And I was like, you know what? I never did my celebration clean shave for moving on from the last relationship. So here I am. Coronavirus. 
Yeah, this is kind of weird for me, though. I don't think I've seen you all fully shaven before, man. Well, it lasts for like a day, right? Like I'll shave. Oh, okay. And, and, uh, by the time I do videos, you could probably find like a personal defense network. Let's see if you like circa 2000, late 2013, early 2014. If you go all the way back 2006, five, we go all the way. And then, you know, those early videos, all I think the first DVDs we did with personal defense network, I was clean shaven and I had those giant earmuffs. It's horrible. Oh, okay, yeah. This is making you look scarier, though. I just got, I don't know what you think. Really? See, yeah. like a lot of people tell me I look younger and friendlier. Really? Okay, <laughs> well, so what do I know? Lola in here. Ask her what she thinks. Yeah. Let's, let's get, uh, who did you say to get in here? Lola? Okay, Lola. Yeah. Pincus needs you to come in here. We need your valued opinion for a second. I mean, we can take comments. Yeah. yeah, and then also the people can comment. Let us know. So is it only the ladies you want to hear from? You don't want to hear from the dudes, right? When I'm on Tinder, I'm not, you know, cruising for dudes. So. <laughs> okay, all the ladies, there's, there's, there's got to be at least two or three ladies out there. And Lola, let us know. Here, I will put him full screen right now. What You know, um, is he sexy or Uncle Festus? Just good. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. Pretty comparative. <laughs> let us the full beard thing, right? Like, definitely, yeah. like that bridges and Iron Man thing going Something on. Something looks different. Uh, now listen, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a fat guy, so this is not no offense meant here. But did you did you put on weight? I don't think so. No. no. Oh, okay. So see, to I, me, I, I will tell you this: I had put on weight last year because mm -hmm. it shot show like my suits weren't fitting great. So and I know my suits fit really good now, so I'm I'm alright. Yeah, somehow that makes you this whole look makes you look bigger to me. I don't know. It might be my I don't know somehow. Yeah, somehow it's making because I'm just like, used. I, right? Yeah. Also, I don't think I've seen you in a suit in a while. I know the suit probably like cuts it down, makes you look stealthier. Actually, I had to get last week. I couldn't take it when I was here in Colorado. I had to put on I put on a button up. I put on a jacket mm -hmm. and jeans. Good shoes and a good belt, and I went out. I bought some liquor, and I, I tried to find a bar with a patio open or something. I still can't, yeah. but I at least get you know. I had to get out of the casual clothes. Yeah. So let's see. Len Holt says Mr. Clean. That's from Len Holt. Imposter says Uncle Fester comes to mind. Not a not a not a check. <laughs> right. Yeah. Lola says it's different, but I like it. But then again, I like Pinkus with hair as well. So okay. So, so that's, I'm, I'm taking that thumbs up from yeah. a woman. Uh, Night Train, who is a dude, I'm assuming, says, <laughs> well, he ain't Yul Brenner. <laughs> uh, Dan Hates You says, the bad guy from Street Fighter. Oh, actually, yeah, a little bit. Um, Wait, what do I, when I do this, look at this. Oh, no. Um, yeah, you can do it. Don't do it. Oh, here we go. He's going to do it. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Now I got the Street Fighter thing going. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes it look <laughs> not to, not to age you at all, but I think you're going with the Mortal Kombat look right now. Yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> Street Fighter. The, the, the sad thing is, I, I forgot his name, but I know exactly which guy they're talking about. Yeah, what is, is the guy or the blue guy? They both had the same outfit. Yeah, it was like mask. black and blue outfit, right? Yeah, and then the other one was a yellow guy. I don't know. Yeah, right, that, guy that, might have been a lizard. That's all from Mortal Kombat, but. Mm -hmm. Rob, I'm going to text you a picture. Uh -oh. I know exactly who they're talking about. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and so let's see. Kathleen Music Lover, one of the ladies, she says, I think he looks good. Boom. There you go. 
I'm telling you, this, this is, I've done my research on this. Yeah. Lola says she can't decide. So there you That's go. Fine. Um, That's let's see. Let's see who else we got. Uh, Kathleen, music lover, says she's never been a fan of Bushy Beard. So there you go. I guess, you know. All right. There you go. Len Holt says Bane. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I carry my revolver in single action, says Scorpion. That was one of the that was one of the the Mortal Kombat guys. Yeah. yeah. The uh, other guy was, or Sub Zero, maybe? Sub Zero. Yeah. The lead, the ice guy. Yeah. Not the bad guy from Batman. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Not that guy. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Razor J B says looks like a member of Jaeger's Mafia. Uh, <laughs> you uh, wish Although yeah. I do have my hand sanitizer. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. You've been using the hand sanitizer too. So there you go. So what? What's your uh, what's your handle on uh, the uh, what was that thing that you just said that you use for the dating thing? What is that again? I I'm single. Uh, no, not single. That's My a handle. that's a Freudian slip. I'm I'm uh, married. So uh, Bumble, Tinder. I use them all. But yeah. the uh, yeah, you just you put your name. It's just your name. I don't have, you don't have like a secret code name. You're oh you're on there is Rob Pincus. Yeah. Oh okay. You didn't. I don't have. Like, I don't, I'm not like go to, you know, it's not like go to personaloffensenetwork.com and learn more about me. Mm -hmm. you know, I just, all that's in the background. There's no like gun pictures. I'm not really, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. That. Yeah. That, I have to say this. So I know I was saying, Lola actually was telling me, listen, don't get into dating conversations or whatever that you always get into. Lola, he started this. No, and then you're forgetting you're uh, though that was, uh, I was distracted by the, the bald head. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Before we get into that, um, man, it has to be tough out there, not just for dudes, right? But a single dude gun guy, that's got to be a tough deal nowadays. Now, well, I don't ever, I'm not, I'm an educator and an author and, you know, I, I don't, I don't advertise gun guy by any stretch. Uh, because mainly, like, I'm not, and it's not that I'm hiding it. It's, mm -hmm. it a lot of the apps don't let you post gun pictures in the first mm -hmm. place. But and the other thing, it's just this toxic thing. It'd be like if you put abortion doctor. Like, you know, <laughs> you, uh, and not only have you ruled out a certain percentage, you've also then ruled out the, the other part of the people who don't care that you're an abortion doctor but don't want to get into it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. so I try not to. I think, you know, everybody knows, like, dating at your first, you know, politics isn't where you go. Mm -hmm. And it's such a lightning rod political issue that I just don't bring it up yeah you know this is a bad joke but I guess if you're an abortion doctor you put that there you could put I guarantee we won't have any babies no, yeah yeah that's, you went, that's, went, you made that's it too dark that's you too dark it. right yeah you started it you started it <laughs> so I'm just going with that but I but you know I, I think it's got to be tough out there for guys nowadays not you're, you're probably right not even just gun guys it's got to be tough out there but you could tell Yehuda you're married so I am yeah, yeah. I'm not super interested in dating nor do I think it would be super successful if I dated someone who was like I'm in quarantine I can't talk to a man right now you know like that's mm -hmm. not that I need an adventurous person that's going to be like, let's go fly out of the country. Let's go camping overnight. Let's go get dressed up and go to McDonald's. Like, whatever. Like, I need I need a certain kind of demographic. And that demographic right now is dating during the corona crisis, I assure you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I get I get the implications of that. So, here, I'm going to do accounts. Three dudes on the show right now. Um, I've been married only one time. Yehuda, how many times have you been married? Only once. Only once. Uh, Pincus, what is it, like 20? How many times have you been married exactly? 
four. Yeah, okay, four. Okay, all right, all right. Not so bad, not so bad. Um, what exactly are you looking for, man? What, like, what's your requirements now after four marriages? What's a good woman out there for Rob Pincus to settle down with? You not reeling it back from the dating. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> let's get let's get this out of the way and then we can move on. <laughs> uh, I'm right now. I'm really I'm looking for for that that spontaneous that adventure. I mean, there's got to be an intellectual conversation thrown in there somewhere. But mm-hmm. you know, the the I'm not a settle down kind of guy. Obviously, I never have been. So mm-hmm. it's it you know, jump on the adventure train or maybe you've got a great adventure train. Let's 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 go enjoy life together. Okay. All right. Cool. I mean, do, so, and you, are you planning on actually getting married again or are you done now? Well, I'm not really a plan guy. Um, you know, I would, I'm not, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, at the same time, it's not like, you know, my, 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 all those apps, like, you know, you, you can have like 15 sentences or 15 words to make a sentence with your profile or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women come out with the long-term relationship only, which is basically saying like, I'm not a slut. I'm not here for a hookup, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of go the like. Are you seriously telling me that based on five pictures and, and 150 characters, you're going to commit to a long term relationship? I'll talk to you about a long term relationship after we spend a three day weekend together. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we'll talk about it. Uh, we go out to dinner, we'll talk about it over breakfast. We can talk about a long term relationship, but we're not. I'm not talking about a long term relationship on a text string. Yeah, I hope you have some way of uh, properly vetting. You know, these people. That's that's all I could say. You know, I, well, hope, I hope before you go out on these dates, you run them through some some kind of system somewhere. FBI background check. Huh? I'm obviously, with four marriages behind me, I'm super good at just going with my gut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, OK, OK. We can move off of this. We've got it. It's done. We can move on. Uh, uh, Dan hates you, says every time Pincus is on. Um, Hank becomes Oprah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. I'm on the couch. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, uh, Cody Milbacher wants to know if you have any kids. I do. I have a, a awesome little almost five-year-old hanging out uh, right here right now, and I have a 24-year-old in Tennessee, and uh, I also have a granddaughter who's uh, three. That's awesome. That's the, the greatest uh, blessing right there. Yep, so, yep. Cool. You, and both, you know, the, the, all three girls, um, super cool. Got a good son-in-law. Like, yeah, things are good on that front. Yeah, yeah. I've got two boys since we're on the subject. Totally annoying, uh, but I love them. Uh, how about you, Yehuda? Babies? I've got a 10-year-old boy who is just, he's a great kid. Every parent's dream, except he's afraid of his own shadow. Okay. Uh, we're trying to change. Mm-hmm. Um I have a daughter who is eight, and she is a princess, and she treats people like crap. But oh. we're trying, we're trying to change that too because she really does have a. Uh, she has a great heart, but you know, just she's a she's a handful. Mm-hmm. And then I have my my baby who's will be four next week, and he is the devil reincarnated. Oh wow! <laughs> he he's. I mean, honestly, and I mean, I get so much heat from people when I say this. He's like Hitler's dream child. He's got like, <laughs> like, like beach, like platinum blonde hair, mm-hmm. big blue eyes. Uh-oh. And I'm like, where the hell did he come from? Because yeah. definitely from me. And you know, he will totally rat you out. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, but like, no, he he is he is um, 
He's my partner in crime. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I think kids are great. Kids are great. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, so now let's jump into it here. The people, I'm sure, are tuning in to find out what exactly does Rob Pincus mean by responsible rebellion. I was looking at a video you put up, uh, was that last week or a couple days ago, I think, Rob? There's been a bunch of them. There's, there's yeah. been some uh, that I, there's some where I explain it sort of just me talking to the camera on mm-hmm. Instagram live. Mm-hmm. There's been some excerpts. I've been, I've been doing a daily thing with Mark Walters. I've been doing Mark Walters' show for over a decade on his Sunday night show. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago, he started a daily radio show, and now he and I, a few weeks ago, started a daily video that we do every day about noon Eastern, and that's really where this idea uh, germinated was in a discussion we were having. And now it's a you know it's an Instagram feed, it's a Facebook page, it's got some people spreading the ideas and other people contributing to that content. Uh, because it, it, I think it's really important, you know, for, for years I've been criticized, I guess, or challenged for not being more aggressive in terms of, um, you know, let, let's stand on the Capitol steps with guns and demand all the full Second Amendment rights back. And, you know, I, I get accused of being a you know, weak Second Amendment advocate or whatever because I'm not ready to storm the castle. Uh, so a lot of people have been surprised that I'm now calling for you know, specifically open civil disobedience in regard to the lockdown. But I'm tempering that with this idea of responsibility, right? And, and if everybody who's followed me in the gun world for the last 20 years knows that I preach our obligation as gun owners to meet the responsibilities that come with our rights. So here's a situation where we're being deprived of our civil rights on a much larger, much broader scale. And that's not to belittle or diminish the importance of our Second Amendment rights. And it is the amendment that sort of gives us the, the, the defends our power to defend everything else, right? Uh, but that, but right now what we have is broad, sweeping, you know, restrictions upon human beings, all human beings. Doesn't matter about your politics. Doesn't matter conservative. Doesn't matter liberal. Doesn't matter young, strong, healthy, weak, whatever. We're being told no, and it's really affecting the. I think the most freedom, uh, whether they love freedom or not, the most freedom taking advantage of people in our country, which are the entrepreneurs, the small business owners, the second and third generation mom and pop shops, the the store that's across the street from Walmart selling the same stuff the Walmart sells, the Walmart's in business, but you aren't. Now, I don't have a lot of like shoulder to cry on if your business gets beat by Walmart, right? Because of volume, because of competitive forces, because you're not friendly enough, happy enough, loyal, you haven't created the loyalty in your community and Walmart runs you out of business, that's one thing. When the government says you can't operate your business, but Walmart can, that's not cool. And this is where I start to say, how can you run your business responsibly? I got parks, the community that we live in here, and this is the same community that, that she was born in, just obviously sold the big house and I moved into this, this apartment. Her mother has an apartment on uh, two miles away. This community is full of parks, full of pools, full of playgrounds. It's a great family and kid-friendly community. And there's yellow caution tape all over the place. Like we went to the swing set, the caution tape blew off the swing set, far as I know, because we went, it was open, we went to the swing set, but I intellectually understand that that was civil disobedience. I understand the park was closed. I understand that the headline three days before that in Colorado, 20 miles away was former police officer arrested for taking daughter to park, mm-hmm. right? That line could have been me. Yeah, right? I think we all, I think we all saw that thing. Yeah. But, but this is what we need to be doing. We need because it's it's, it's okay to be responsible because mm-hmm. obedience is responsible. So that's that's why people are like I don't understand how you can be rebellious and be responsible. Well, there's a lot of people that don't understand how we can own guns with kids in the house and be responsible. Mm-hmm. But and I've been preaching it for 20 years, so I have no problem 
stepping across this line and saying, now is the time where I'm doing it and I encourage other people to do it. If you think the restrictions are unfair and if it's hurting you more than you believe you are at risk and you put your community at risk mm-hmm. by opening your open your business up. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know who out there is saying, hey, let's just uh, get all our guns, load up all the magazines, uh, jump in the in the trucks and go out there and uh, get this done. Seriously. I mean, some you know, we might be saying it jokingly or whatever. But I don't know anyone saying that because uh, honestly, once we get into that, you know, we've made the decision to forfeit ourselves and our families for that. You know, everything's not going to go awesomely there. Right. That is a huge. And even even the idea of standing on the I've said I'm, I don't think it's worth it. But if you want to be civilly disobedient and take your unregistered SBR or your homemade suppressor, screw it on an AR, walk up the steps of your capital and say, I am peacefully here disobeying the NFA, disobeying state law, arrest me, I am fighting this, I am being civilly disobedient, and maybe 5,000 other gun owners would show up next to you. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're there. Personally, I'm not there. People have asked me for years, Rob, where's the line? When are you gonna do that kind of stuff? And I always say, I'll know it when I get there, right? Mm -hmm. I always say, I don't think the founding fathers, two weeks before the first shot at Lexington, I don't think they were saying 14 days to go, guys. Like, I don't think they knew where that was line was. They knew it when it happened, they jumped in, and I feel like that's where I am. Well, well, this is different, but I feel like the restrictions on the coronavirus, the crisis, the patchwork, the inconsistency, the illogical mm-hmm. aspect of it, as well as then at a state level trying to blanket, you know, and have the Upper Peninsula the same as, as Detroit or have the rest of Minnesota the same as the Twin Cities, North Florida. I think Florida's handled it very, very well in, in this way. The governor's goofed up a bunch of things, but at least – Florida was very hesitant to go to statewide policies. And still to this day, a lot of stuff is being controlled in very different regions very differently because Florida is a really weird kind of patchwork mm-hmm. of demographic. Yeah, so Florida could be its own country. So yeah, so so in North Florida, where I am in St. Augustine, our beaches are open again. Obviously down in Miami, that's not the case. It also took longer for our beaches to get closed down. And I'm not sure what's going on the West Coast, but mm-hmm. we have to realize that we are all individuals, We all have distinct communities and we all have distinct circumstances under which, especially with what we've learned in the last six to eight weeks about how to reduce the risk of transmission, we need to be allowed to move forward productively and responsibly until we prove otherwise, just like we do with guns. Yeah. Uh, Yehuda, did you want to, you know, how do you feel about this whole thing, man? Do you feel we've reached that line in the sand for you? Like Rob saying everyone has their own line? No I, no, I actually have to agree with Rob on this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I'm at the point where I'm ready to go out and call up, uh, you know, call to arms. But I do think that what we're seeing now is a precursor to what could happen. You, you know, yes, is is what all the all the governments, you know, the, the local governments, your, your governor's doing – Taking away your, a lot of our freedoms, is that something that we have to be concerned about? A hundred percent. But I don't think it's requiring, at least not yet, a call to arms. What I do believe is what we're seeing now, and this is why I love the responsible rebellion, what you're seeing now, I think, is that if we can have a responsible rebellion right now and have civil disobedience but doing it responsibly – 
that's a show to the government that's saying, look, no matter how hard it's going to get, this is where we're at right now. If you push a little harder, it could turn into something else. Mm-hmm. It could turn into the armed rebellion. Mm-hmm. And also, like Rob said, which I, I love, is that two weeks before the found, before Lexington and Concord, f- founding fathers didn't know that the shot heard around the world was going to happen April 19th. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. It just happened. And I think when when the moment comes, we'll know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a thing that that we're all going to find in our hearts. Obviously, that's like a weird answer for people, right? Because in some people's hearts, we're already there, you know. In some people's hearts, we're nowhere close. Um, I think, and I'm just trying to gauge us. I think for us, we're close to that line. Like, hey, you know, I think we're we're getting to that point where, if for example, it seems to me like these guys don't want to call off this lockdown at all, right? They're enjoying the ability to put all these limitations on people. But at the same time, most people, not just us as gun guys, are sick and tired of it. I know where I live in Gainesville, which is like north central Florida, people, this regular traffic out there. You know, people have already made decisions. I think there's certain businesses because they need licenses and things like that. They're not back in business or not, at least technically not back in business. But those guys, if we don't get them back, a lot of those small businesses we were talking about are going to go out of business. So the big thing that I, I want to know about this, and I know people have questions, um, what do you two guys see as those things that have either come close to the line or even crossed the line that are the things that are upsetting you individually here with everything that's happening relative to uh, this COVID-19 situation? And I don't know who wants to jump in there first, who's, who's got things. I, 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 I can some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the things that have been upsetting me the most, mm-hmm. seeing, um, was it in... I know Rob, you'll for sure know. Was it Iowa or Ohio where that mother was just arrested? Idaho. Idaho. Okay. Um, that just pissed me off. What was the sto- What was the story in Idaho? I'm not sure. If her mother I- took her two little kids to the park and she was arrested okay. in front of her kids. While other there were other people there saying, "Hey, she has two little kids who are going to watch her kids." Police handcuffed her and took her away. I mean that that is just infuriating mm-hmm. um yeah that things like that look i feel horrible that there's businesses closing down and stuff like that i get it mm-hmm. and what one big problem that i see is <clears throat> if you have a state like california or new york that are increasingly telling people no your businesses can't open right then they're getting to the point where they're like well if we don't open our businesses we're not going to be able to survive so we're being pushed closer to armed rebellion Whereas in, you know, South Dakota, maybe uh, their governor is letting everything be open as long as you're doing things responsibly. So the people in South Dakota aren't going to be ready to, you know, get into all out brawl. So it's very tough to see that that line on the nation right now is not on the same page when it comes to tyranny happening in their state. Mm-hmm. And until I think you see an entire sta- uh, nationwide level of tyranny, then nothing's going to happen. But I have to say, seeing these small stories of people going to the parks or you know people going to stores and being kicked out and 
there was a video of a guy being dragged off a bus. Mm. I mean, things like that. Just that, that's what infuriates me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, there was a weird situation with the guy getting dragged off the bus because some of those people dragging him off the bus didn't have on masks. I know he was getting dragged off the bus because he didn't have on a mask. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think everyone necessarily has access to the mask. So if you're going to run public transportation and you're going to require that, you might want to be able to supply that for people who don't have that. Um, and I know that in, in the getting uh, kicked off the bus situation, in a separate thing, I saw a bus driver telling people, even people that had masks but not the N95 ones, which we've, right. we've told people, hey, you could put your T-shirt, you could use a you know, ski mask, whatever, right? And there were people who had those, and this bus driver was like, yeah, you're off, you're off, you're off, because you don't have this N95 thing. That bus driver didn't have an N95 on his face. So when I see things like that, I think that is one of the things that comes close to the line. Um, someone was asking, I, I can't see it right now because there's a whole bunch of things scrolling here. Someone was asking, like, where do we hold... Uh, police departments responsible for things like that. I'm paraphrasing what you said. You can you can put it up here again if you want to, and and um, and I'll repeat it. But where do we where do we hold people in situations like this? You know, before we move on to the, I know you've you probably got some things, Rob, and I know you've got background in law enforcement. What do we do when we see those kinds of things? Because when I see it, I feel like police departments that are going to go arrest a dad in the middle of a park with his kids. They don't need to be in business. You know. Yeah, it's overreaching out that in that case it was Brighton, Colorado. They mm -hmm. they admitted that, that was they're not gonna be doing that anymore. That was inappropriate. They shouldn't they they aren't gonna do it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have other the, the Racine County, uh, Wisconsin, where the sheriff said, We're not enforcing this restriction and we get it. The governor announced this, we're not gonna do it. And and I'll tell you, here's here's I had been talking to, to several people in law enforcement three and four months ago when the Second Amendment sanctuary thing was going around, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't say anything about this publicly. I don't think there may have been a comment or two. I was kind of lukewarm on the whole Second Amendment sanctuary thing in the first place. I was like, it's a nice gesture. I appreciate it. Let's get it tested in court. Let's see what it's all about, mm -hmm. right? But it's nice that, the, that it, you know, it, the problem I have is when it's sheriffs, you don't know if it's sheriffs doing it for votes. Mm -hmm. They're officials, right? Mm -hmm. So if a department or a city council or the county commissioners say, no, we're a second amendment sanctuary. It's very different. And actually what I was pushing for is I'd like to see civil rights sanctuaries. Again, not that I'm not a gun rights advocate, you know, in my heart and, and at my core, but I, this is something that came up in January for me in December, in February, talking about civil rights sanctuaries. And what's interesting to me is civil rights sanctuaries would cover exactly what we're talking about right now, mm -hmm. right? In a Second Amendment sanctuary issue doesn't. Now, I would be curious, in Virginia, have any of those Second Amendment sanctuary places decided they're not going to enforce these new bills that were signed into law recently? Are they still issuing concealed carry weapons permits even in the time of coronavirus? Are they still doing the classes? Are they still doing the background check? Are they still doing the fingerprints? Is all of that still happening the way it was before corona in those Second Amendment sanctuaries? I would challenge each and every one of you in Virginia that was celebrating your town or county becoming a secondary sanctuary, check up on that. Let me know if the gun shops are open. Let me know if they're doing concealed weapons permits, all that stuff. Maybe they are, and that's great. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not, and shame on them. And shame on you if you're in the city or the county and you're not holding them to it. The So you're, you're saying there, just quickly, you're saying there that if you are in one of those um, uh, Second Amendment sanctuaries 
And obviously the, the governor of Virginia is, is anti-Second Amendment, trying to close that down. But if, you're, if your places are still open and the sheriffs are supporting that, you need to verify it to know that, hey, they're standing up to what they said, right? For sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Make sure that there's that see what that is, because I didn't know what it was in December, except the statement, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. wonder how we get to see, because now there's new laws in Virginia. So will those laws be enforced yeah. in the cities and in those counties? Mm-hmm. That's a big and we're now dealing with the same thing, again, on a much broader scale with civil rights. So when I see Brighton, Colorado Police Department say, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. I wonder how many people were at the park today. Today it was 68 degrees out here in Colorado. Beautiful, sunny day, perfect spring day to go to a park in Colorado. I wonder how many parents were in the parks in Brighton feeling like they would not be arrested even though parks are officially closed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people in the park here in Stapleton, but I didn't see anybody on the playground, Okay, right? We were driving by, coming actually coming back here to do this, and I saw. I mean, the they what they it's it's ridiculous. They blocked off the parking spots. You can't go into the parking lot, but there's street parking, right? And it's a four lane road. You know, cars running 40, 50 miles an hour down it. Usually, it's a thirty five or forty zone. Now, all the kids, all the dogs, all the bikes, all the sporting equipment, all the stuff people are taking out of the cars to go into the park, the open spaces. It's being the park. done the most dangerous place. Yeah, yeah. You can't in the parking lot, but. They also can't use the playground. They can't use the picnic tables, right? So it's just it's just this weird, you know, it's kind of back circling back to the question, what makes me mad? What really, I don't think we're taught, for me, it's not a line of this is okay and this is armed rebellion, mm-hmm. right? I think there's this huge middle ground where um, I think of like, go back to the, the riots, the LA riots in the 92, 94, whenever that was, the LA riots, um, when that happened, you had guys on their rooftops and in their stores with guns defending the, the mm-hmm. store, not from the government, but from looters and rioters, right? Mm-hmm. And from people eating bottles of petrol and stuff, right? Right. So it, it, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting that the, the comic book store guys set up a perimeter and put an overwatch on the roof in case the government comes. The government might show up. They're going to give you a fine. They're going to tell you, well, you, you were restricting your business license or were revoking your occupancy permit. That's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I can show up with guns. Now you meet the cop, you meet the inspector, you meet the sheriff at the gun at the door with a gun. You just escalated this. Yeah. So I'm saying, be prepared for the fine. Be prepared to lose your occupancy permit. Be prepared for all that. Be prepared for them to say you're going to have to leave the premises, or we're sitting here and we're not going to let anybody in. Go back four hours later. Go back the next day. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. But that's what civil disobedience is. It's not an instant escalation to armed revolt and rebellion. Mm-hmm. So that's. Again, coming back full circle, responsible rebellion, not, you know, time to wave the flags and boogaloo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, if you talk about armed rebellion, you guys can tell me what you think. I'm not going to armed rebellion on my own unless I'm backed into a corner on my own. So let's say that let's say like whoever the governor whatever shows up at my place and they're like we're coming to get you Hank Strange and whatever now I'm backed into a corner I have to make a decision right which I'm going to make that decision based on you know my family first of all you know whether or not I think it's worth it for my family to get hurt and whatever I do like I said once we decide we're going down this line you you're deciding to put everything on the line right whatever you hold dear in 308 you know, I run the charging handle and I'm fighting. I got a bag over here with more magazines. If and I'm sitting here looking at, out the window. If, if I see that the cars pull up and all of a sudden there's guys stacking up and, I, and they're not doing their job right and they're knocking on the door, I got to assume one of two things. This is a mistake, 
right? Or there's some somebody made some stuff up, which still makes it a mistake, right? They like read the wrong house, or they completely had the wrong impression about how I live my life. I'm not going to answer the door with a 308. The 308 isn't sitting here for the cops, right? Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to get arrested, and I'm going to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have a reason to to shoot at cops that are coming to me to serve a warrant, mm-hmm. right? I don't, in the middle of the night, they wake me up. I'm not the guy that has the gun in my hand under the pillow, right? So if they do their job right, tactically correct, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get woken up and I'm gonna be, they got the drop and I'm done. And on the other hand, if they're fidgeting around the door, I'm gonna barricade with my daughter and call the cops. So by the time they're saying, police get down, police get down, I'm two or three corners and another door away and I have time to respond to police get down. Mm-hmm. And I understand it could be, you know, international terrorists pretending to be cops. It could be, you know, three crazy hoodlums that pretend to be cops. If I'm wrong and I surrender to non-cops, yeah. I'll deal with that in that moment. Right. But I don't, but my plan isn't to shoot the first cop that comes knocking on my door. I got pulled over speeding today. The cop didn't get shot in the face, right? Yeah. And, and, and let's, let's bear in mind, because I'm sure people will remind us that something just went down in Nova Scotia along yep. the lines of what we're talking about. So, you know, look, there's no perfect answer. For this, but again, the yeah. difference between one cop storming up to my house mm-hmm. with, a, with a, you know, a rifle, especially a federal cop storming up to my house with a rifle in his hand, that's a little weird, mm-hmm. right? But on the other hand, you know, two sheriff's deputies with a piece of paper in their hand saying, "Mr. Pincus, uh, we have a warrant, you know, to serve on you." That's not shoot through the door and ask questions later time, right? right? Yeah. And neither is opening your small business. And I guess that's again, that, I keep going back to it, like that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about marching on the Capitol without masks, gathering in a crowd, transmitting the virus to make a big stink and get on the news. I'm talking about just go open your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, you, you you said something technically not open. I wonder if you mean what I thought you mean, because <laughs> I, all over the country, mm-hmm. there are salons opening up for mm-hmm. one at a time appointments. There are hairstyles hair going to play people's places. There are guys that work for construction companies doing handyman jobs. There are landscapers working. Up. I had a guy that works at a, uh, one of the auto, you know, toy store type places, come out to the range and install window tint for me and paid him cash. Mm-hmm. There's, this is happening, right? People are making money, people are figuring it out, especially the entrepreneurs, especially the freedom loving kind of capitalist people, right? They're making it happen. And my fear is the further we drive this underground, then the more likely we're gonna see sloppiness and we're gonna see transmission. The faster we, we figure out what the new normal is, the more likely we are to see to reduced occupancy, limited hours, more sanitation, use of masks, use of gloves, you know, all the social distancing, all that stuff for the for the time being is the new normal. Maybe who knows for how long. Mm-hmm. But we need businesses open responsibly. Yeah. So um, so the, here's the thing. The other thing that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to add the other part of that is if I'm going armed rebellion, I'm not doing it on my own. You know what I mean? So in other words, me, Hank Strange, I'm not taking on the world. You know, I would like right. to I would like to get some cooperation from my community, meaning like immediately where I live. You know, um, I live in a place like, for example, my uh, county that I live in Florida is a Second Amendment sanctuary, um, you know, and my my local sheriff's a gun guy. You know, all those kind of things I would like to see line up before I just go out there. I think that's what you're talking about before. I'm just talking about the extreme here, right? So that so right. that people understand that before we get to the responsible side, that extreme thing that some people maybe are saying for bravado, 
or just getting themselves worked up, there's steps to that. I really like it when it's somebody that has a big YouTube following or somebody that has, they're doing it for the cheap likes. I know these guys, they're not Mm -hmm. getting up off their couches. They're not out, they're not, they're not in the woods playing small unit tactics. They're not setting up booby traps around their house. I know who these guys are, but they're entertaining the big luau. They're entertaining the boogaloo crowd. They're wearing Hawaiian shirts to be funny, but they're they're not doing it. There are there's an audience out there that doesn't that thinks they're they're dog whistling, right? They think they're saying, "I got your back. I'm part of this." They're not. Yeah. Now, by the way, I've got I've got some of those Hawaiian shirts or whatever. Um, sometimes I, I joke around and do things, but there's a specific line, and I, I got to tell you guys, I believe in violence, but I'm not. I'm not going to that like immediately, right? I'm not an on-off switch that boom, here we, we go here, unless something immediately happens. Somewhere out there though, there's a Timothy McVeigh mm-hmm. click and like on some of that content, mm-hmm. right? Because Timothy McVeigh thought it was time to go mm-hmm. and he thought he had backup. He thought he had his little militia crew. He mm-hmm. had people, he wasn't working alone, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if people don't remember that, he's the guy that blew up the federal building in mm-hmm. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? He was a gun guy. He was part of the far right conservative movement. He was a veteran. He was the guy, except, you know, beards weren't cool back then. He was these guys that I see out there with the beards and with the play carriers. Like he was part of that before social media, mm-hmm. right? In the way it was being done in the eighties and into the nineties. And, and if, if that's offensive to you, you're, you might be who I'm talking about. Yeah. Think about you're sending out there. Think about what you're representing. Mm-hmm. Do I think everybody that's saying I'll fight when I need to fight and I'm ready to take, you know, make sure our government doesn't go tyrannical. Does that make you Timothy McVeigh? No, but that's what Timothy, Timothy McVeigh thought he was doing. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just trying to make, uh, well, I don't know. You can say it for yourself, obviously, but you're not going after the guys that maybe are messing around with memes or, you know, or joking around with it, having fun or whatever, or are you saying think- that somehow those people are also responsible because we've got to have a level of uh, entertainment and comedy here. People out there that don't know it's entertainment. Okay. There are people out there that, that are taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't, you know, it, it, it pains me because they're, they're taking it super seriously, but they show up to Second Amendment rallies in masks and they're using fake names on the internet. And I'm like, why? I'll lose my job at Starbucks if they know I'm pro gun. Mm-hmm. Well, if you aren't willing to lose your job at Starbucks, what make, why, do, why am I taking you seriously about Civil War II? Yeah. Are those really – so Yehuda, you jump in here and tell me what you think about this. Uh, from your point of view of the gun community, what's the percentage of people that you think exist like that, like what Rob's talking about? I think there is a, there is a percentage of those people, but I don't really see them – I guess there's rings in the gun community, right? I don't really see those folks like being in the rings that we're in. I don't know if I mean, that's – you're talking about like the Boogaloo Boys? Yeah, the, the well, the serious ones. We I think we all like mess around with the you know oh these guys are ready for the Boogaloo. For the most part, I think that's a joke, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do think there is a percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a low percentage. Um, but the problem with that even is like Rob was saying, look at Timothy McVeigh. Whatever his whatever his reason for doing it was, whether it was you know retaliation for Waco or He's just part of this whole anti-government militia. Whatever his reasons were, mm-hmm. 30, 40 guys can do serious damage. Do you think – so do you think there were a lot of people egging him on, either one of you guys? Do you think that's what was happening, Rob? Or do you think he was pretty much on his own out there? And I mean, when you talk about the circles, my circles were overlapping with those circles. I was mm-hmm. – I remember going to uh, – um, 
uh, what's Kentucky, the full auto thing in Kentucky. The bullpup thing? No. no the, uh, um, oh, you're talking about, uh, oh my God. Yeah. Walter goes, no, 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 the, the, the shoot. The shoot, the big shoot. Yeah, I can't. Even yeah, Walter goes to this all the time. If he's out there, he's gonna be mad. <laughs> the one that they they put up the news footage saying it was yeah. like serious. Yeah, it's oh, the yeah. it's the name of a place. It's some place in Kentucky. It's Knob Creek, Knob Creek. Yeah, Knob Creek thing in the nineties, mm-hmm. and horrified really? by the white supremacy. Wow. The, the Hitler Youth, the uniforms, all the memorabilia that they were chanting German fucking Hitler war songs out in the parking lot. Now they cleaned that up a lot. They okay. cleaned it up a lot in okay. the late 90s going into the early 2000s but mm-hmm. 20 years ago that place was an embarrassment mm-hmm. and that was you know before social media and all that stuff but I actually went up there I was in Tennessee and I was I was horrified by it I mean wow. we used to gun shows and and it was it was not a big deal in the 90s so I'm assuming brothers weren't going to Knob Creek back then I didn't see any no oh okay. uh, you know, the, the I, and you wouldn't have gotten away with that uh, hat you got there that funny hat you got. the uh, you know the the there were copies of Turner Diaries being openly sold at gun shows back in those days. You know what I mean? Like just sitting on the counter, Turner Diaries. Mm. So, so I mean, I so I know how serious a lot of people were taking that mm-hmm. back then without the internet and the social media and all that. So, so I do get a little bit worried that we're going to see. I mean, what about this guy that was um, tied to? I believe he was tied to to um, uh, what do we call it? White power nation, white white supremacy. Um, nationalist movement that was trying to blow up the hospital in Missouri recently, right? Um, he was tied to some of those guys. The okay, FBI. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not read in on that particular. Um, he was going to blow up a hospital in Missouri to, to draw attention to, you know, the government tyranny and the, the fake hoax of COVID-19 mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. So there, this is still out there, right? And like take Adam Kraut. I don't think Adam Kraut wants to be associated with any of that. Mm-hmm. He's been wearing Hawaiian shirts before Boogaloo Hawaiian shirts were a thing. Right, right. So I don't cast a net that says I got uh, Randy Mayan and the and the uh, liberal gun owners guys gave me a Hawaiian shirt for my birthday last year. And I've, I've, it's been in a couple pictures, but like I purposely don't wear it because I don't want to be associated with that. Right. And I don't need the shit storm in my comments because I'm making fun of those guys, because that would be probably the only way I would wear it would be ironically. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, for me, for me, it's totally it's total irony because, uh, you know, I, I believe in bad boys move in silence and violence. That's one of my uh, principles no, of life. Yeah. You're not the guy making memes and you're not the guy with the fake account that's that's giving me shit about being too weak as a Second Amendment advocate. Mm-hmm. If you be serious about this. You're at home makeup. I, I took a picture the other day at uh, a couple weeks ago at, at Sports Academy, and all the ammo was gone, but the, the center aisle, all the tannerite was there. And I go, well, I, I, it was a joke. I said, well, we'll know the Boogaloo boys are serious when the tannerite all sold out too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because in my day, we had the anarchist cookbook. Mm-hmm. We, had to, we had to mix that stuff from scratch. We didn't get two part binary agents, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So I think that there is. For ninety percent of the people doing it, it's they don't even realize it's not a joke mm-hmm. to some people. But there are people playing that in the middle, and I worry about the guys who put themselves out there as influencers who who entertain it too much. Okay, let me let me so let me say this: like behind this behind the scenes, you guys could tell me what happens, but I know behind the scenes, people reach out to us, right? 
We're all right. social. We're doing stuff on social media. There are people that plug in. Probably there's folks that plug into all of us at the same time, or individual people. Someone plugs into PPG or Rob Pincus more than me, whatever, right? But I know I've had people reaching out to me behind the scenes. Uh, most of the time, guys who are in the military. You know, say over the thing happening in Virginia, this was before COVID. No one reached out to me over this over COVID-19 about this. But right. based on what was happening in Virginia, I had some people reaching out to me and they're like, hey, Hank, do you think it's time for me to like get my guns together and roll up to Virginia? And every single time I was like, no, I don't think so. This is a thing that the folks in Virginia have to deal with. You know, if we're in Florida and and that comes to Florida, then we've got to think and deal with that. But I don't think it's time for people to start coming from around the nation and showing up there and doing things. At this point in time, everyone needs to deal with what's going on in their own state, starting by attempting to, to do what's legal. Because of what I said to you guys, once we go into that, you know, if whatever for whatever reason, if we start that fire, we're not going to be able to put it out easy. Um, do you guys, are you guys getting those kinds of things either over, over the COVID-19 or back when Virginia was a thing? And I think both of you guys were actually there at the rallies, right? No, you were at Pincus? I didn't go to, I didn't go to uh, Virginia. I had the D.C. rally. Oh, you went to the yeah. D.C. What about you, Yehuda? Did you? No, okay. I couldn't make it. Okay, so what were, were you guys getting that same kind of thing or was that just me? All right. So I'll, I'll go. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I have, I'm coming from a very different perspective. I do have some of that, mm-hmm. but in terms of like the COVID-19 stuff, it, it all started, you know, uh, six months ago when you had all these anti-Semitic attacks happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's when it all started for me when I had tons and tons of people in my community and other Jews around the country reaching out to me and saying, Oh, Hey, you know, we've never really been into guns. Do you think now's a good time to buy a gun? But especially now with all this quarantine and all this craziness, um, I I would say in the last month, I have probably helped new. I mean, 10, 12 people in my community alone get firearms. And I mean, obviously, I tell them, hey. You better train with it. You better learn it. You better know every little nook and cranny. And you know how you, before you even think about, you know, they, in other words, they were going to go get it no matter what. Okay. But at, at least if they were going through me, I, I'm, the, I'm the first person to say, if someone ever says to me, hey, we want to learn about firearms, I'm like, okay, before you come to my house, you better remember these four rules. And once they come to my house, you know, I don't let them touch the firearm until I show them everything. Then finally, I'll let them touch it. So in this case, these people are going to buy a firearm anyways. But at least if I'm able to hammer home, you know, the gun safety, fine. But I could just see that headline, Yehuda. Yehuda Reamer, leader of the Jewish Boogaloo. Right? No, no, we don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, mm. I, I've I unfortunately had a lot of it mm-hmm. um, more in the last month than ever before. Mm-hmm. Really, in the last okay, okay. Uh, what about you, Rob? It, I'm sure you've been. Yeah, well, yeah, I get a lot of the. It's time to buy a gun. You know, what do I do? I got a a, a video. I got a request. You know, can you send me some videos 
for uh, a group of women uh, in out in a western one of the western states. A friend of mine, you know, said that you have videos specifically for women, and I got together a bunch of stuff from PDN. I had another guy like, hey, we're a bunch of farmers out in the middle of nowhere. Like, what about long distance defense? So I I have that resource, right? I'll just go right to PDN and whether it's my videos or one of our other contributors, I'll put together a playlist and just send them out. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did, I did participate. I think you did as well. Uh, you with the, the, uh, guns one Oh one, the self-defense network wanted to put out. And that was a great collection of videos for new people getting back to your, I think more the spirit of your original question, as far as the back channel stuff on the rebellion and the revolt. And the, is this the time for the civil war two thing I get, I think I've, I've sort of cultivated an audience to the point where I get at least as many people. That's nah, not true. I get more people uh, confidently in the last couple of years that reach out to me during times of high stress in our community, in our movement, concerned about well, the kind of things that we were talking about. Oh, concerned last- about the people. Uh, yeah, like, oh, okay. Serious, <laughs> like, what are they thinking? Like, I'm afraid they're going to set up. Like, I don't even want, I'm, a, I, mm. I'm embarrassed to tell my friends about guns. And you, you talk about grassroots gun advocacy, Rob, but mm. I can't, I don't want to be associated with these guys. Like last week, the responsible rebellion movement was getting a, a fair amount of traction. Then the Michigan protest happened. And all of a sudden I got inundated with people that are like, Rob, you're normally a sane person. How can you be supporting this? And they're showing a bunch of guys with plate carriers, American flags and Trump hats, no masks gathering on the steps in groups. And that's not what I'm all about. It never has been. One of the reasons I don't, I guess I don't worry about that so much is that for uh, 20 years, I've been for 20 plus years, I've been distancing myself from the white supremacists at Knob Creek. I've been distancing myself from the guys with plate carriers and masks instead of showing up to a 2A rally dressed like they dress for work, being proud American gun owners, right? I've always distanced myself from the wackadoos. I distanced myself from the guy that says, I'm not locking up my gun because the government can't tell me to, you know, as opposed to. I, do, I get that I have the freedom to choose whether I lock my gun up or not, and it's smarter to keep my kids from getting my gun, so I'm going to lock it up regardless of the politics. So I've always distanced myself from that. I have no problem today distancing what I think is responsible rebellion from what those people were doing in Michigan and what anybody else is doing if, if what they're doing is causing a ruckus, increasing the likelihood of transmission, and not doing anything productive. If you go back. If, if anybody's concerned about this in terms of an integrity point of Rob's position, I always say, like, I'm applying fundamental principles to the con- to the circumstances at hand, right, to the context of dealing with. You can go back, and one of the very first people I got into a deep discussion on what do we do about the restrictions with coronavirus was Maj Ture. We did a live probably a month ago now mm-hmm. where he, he was celebrating – the videos and the pictures and the selfies of people um, violating the curfew in Newark, New Jersey, and I think in, in Brooklyn as well. Okay. Said, dude, that's irresponsible. Why are you doing that? Well, it's freedom, man. And we got into it, and he, I, he said, let's do a live. I said, yeah, let's do a live. So we had a conversation in front of the world, mm-hmm. and the point was, I, I'm not for stay home because the government told you if you have a reason to go out, but I'm also not for go out because the government said not to just to prove you can. So if you want to go to the store after curfew and drop off some canned goods and a, and, and a bottle of you know uh, hand sanitizer for an elderly person that shouldn't be going out, you want to do it at 10 o'clock to make a point? Cool. Do it at 10 o'clock to make a point. But use your time, use your rebellion, use your civil disobedience to achieve something other than a selfie and, and you know feeling good about yourself. Yeah. And, and so I talked about responsible rebellion mm-hmm. for over a month. It just took a while for it to get to the point where I said, okay – 
Two weeks, I got you. Three weeks, maybe. For a month, here's my new concern, guys. And this is, this came up a couple weeks ago. It got to this point. My new concern is that people aren't putting up with this anymore. Mm -hmm. The anger is growing, especially in places that aren't seeing the kinds of outbreaks that were predicted, right? Now, we know intellectually the reason we're not seeing these crazy outbreak numbers might be because of what we're doing. We can still continue to do a lot of that and go back to business. If the convenience store worker and the, the bagging clerk at, at Publix can be trusted to work responsibly under these conditions, so can a college-educated guy or a third-generation you know, family business owner or other people in our community. It, it, we're tr like, if you think about it, we're trusting the drive-through attendant to get this right. Mm -hmm. So how do we trust the, the everybody else to go get it right as well because we know a hell of a lot more about this and society has accepted a lot more than we did six or eight weeks ago. I'll tell you a funny thing happened yesterday. I'm in an airport, getting ready to get on a plane. We're going to spend two and a half, three hours in this tube with recycled air, right? Mm -hmm. People are social distancing on the jetway, mm -hmm. like all out of habit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's no marks on the floor. Nobody said to do it. There wasn't an announcement that said, please maintain your distance on the jetway. Like literally it was just the new normal, right? I was in a convenience store a few days ago and there was a woman who wasn't doing the physical distancing. She was ignoring the little lines that were on the floor and she was kind of creeping up on me. And I just kind of looked over my shoulder she had a mask on. Like I wasn't horrified. I didn't feel like I needed an elbow strike or anything. But it was kind of weird that two or three people in front of us, every time I moved up, she would clearly not stay on the line. She kept moving up. And here, and it wasn't just me because here's what happened. When I walked up to get there, there were two, there were three cashiers. Two opened up at the same time and said, "Next guest." I walked to one. The woman behind me and the woman behind her. I guess like bumped into each other and she said, oh, the, the other one, was, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were with him. So not only did it make, was it weird to me, but she, the woman naturally assumed because this woman wasn't physically distancing, she must have been with me. Yeah. So we, maybe, we maybe she was trying to be with you, Rob. Come on, man. Yeah, she was, she was uh, out of my demographic. Um, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Listen, look, okay. Th this is, so here's my thing. Here's a, to me, I think. You know, you were talking about the people in Michigan. Um, I guess they were protesting, and you and you feel like they weren't observing, you know, uh, safe enough practices, right? It, the tense of responsible rebellion. Right. So you feel so you think they were being irresponsible because they weren't wearing masks. They weren't far away enough from each other. I know here in Florida, there were there were all these kids that everyone got mad at them because it was spring break and they were out on the beach. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that I'm personally not going to do that, right? So I'm not personally going to go out on the beach and party with those guys or whatever. But at the same time, I think that people have the right to get together and do something like that. You know, if they all make that choice, huh? But this is the same, this is the same argument I've had about open carry for, mm -hmm. for like a decade now, right? Mm -hmm. We allow it for a decade. You have the right to sell all your stuff mm -hmm. and go buy lottery tickets and try to become a millionaire, right? right? You're not going to find a single financial advisor that would tell you it's a good idea. Right. You have the right to open carry and wear a, you know, an AR over your shoulder and walk right. down the street. You're not going to find a personal defense advocate, at least not in me, that's going to tell you it's smart. A Second Amendment rights advocate can tell you it's smart. It's a abuse of your rights. Yeah. It's a but this is the right. But this is the fine line. Because we wouldn't do something, does that mean that these people can't do this thing? And I know a lot of people on the flip side of this would go, well, what if they get sick? 
Well, these are all people who made a choice to get. What if you have sex with someone and you get sick? You know, I mean, there's lots of what if you share a drink with someone and you get sick in the regular world or if you get into a car with someone, you get into a car accident. So so if I'm going to be the guy that, that comes up with the logo or the, 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 the catchphrase or whatever, responsible rebellion mm-hmm. and puts that up. Right. And I call you. You hear and I say, I say, hey, man, I need you to, to come up with a logo for me because you're an artsy guy. Like help right. me come up with a real logo for this. And I'm posting the content and I'm recruiting others to help me with the content. Then. I get to define mm-hmm. what's inside of that parameter, right? Not the outside world. Mm-hmm. So it's just like at Personal Defense Network, I decide what gets published and what doesn't mm-hmm. based on whether or not it fits into the paradigm. It may not be exactly what I teach, mm-hmm. but it's got to fit into the paradigm. So I'm telling you, from my standpoint, I'm not saying that they should be arrested. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that's not what Responsible Rebellion is about, and I would not do it, and I wouldn't advise them to do it in the same way I wouldn't advise somebody to go out and right. open care. But we also wouldn't force them to not do it. I'm not going to go up on the steps and point a gun at him. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Now I will vote. I will, as I do insist that they're doing it wrong. And if they ask me, I'm going to tell them no. And mm-hmm. if they show up on my page and say, this is really okay. This is the way to do it. I'm going to say, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So when you force, like, I don't know what that means. I'm not going to go to war with them. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to call the police and say, those guys should be arrested. But at the same time, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can as an advocate and as an educator and as a communicator and as an influencer, whatever word you want to throw at it, in no official capacity whatsoever, I'm gonna try to dissuade yeah. it. Yeah, no, I see I see exactly where you're coming from. I just think at the same time, obviously, let's make it clear to some folks out there who are like, hey, if I want to get together with a hundred of my friends or associates or whatever we met on a Facebook page and we want to protest this thing and we don't wear masks and we don't stay uh, 10 feet apart from each other. That's our, you know, we, you know, we have, we, we should be able to do that. That's the way to put it. Someone would say, well, what if they get sick and then we have to treat them? My thing about the, what if they get sick and we have to treat them thing is, well, what, what difference does it make? Well, somewhere in there, that's the guy who says, I'm going to shoot my gun in the air on New Year's Eve. Right. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. Somewhere in there, that guy's going to say, that's my right. And we're going to say, but you're endangering somebody. That bullet has to come down somewhere. Mm-hmm. So guy that's saying, I'm going to go out in a crowd and I'm not going to wash my hands and I'm going to cough at people. Somewhere in there, I know it's extreme, but there's just like when you fire that gun in the air in, in you know middle of nowhere, desert of Nevada, New Year's yeah. Eve, when you're there with your buddies at the campsite, you fire that gun in the air and there's a point, you know, zero, 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 nine, one percent chance that it might land on anybody. And then some, you know, smaller percentage of that that it might kill them. There's still some percentage that you're going to stand on that capital step without a mask on, and you're not going to know that you're you're carrying, and you're going to cough, and it's going to get on somebody, and then their grandmother is going to get it, and they're going to die. Yeah, it's still, but, but everyone's still- making that decision to do that and be there. That's my thing about. Like me personally, I do not. I don't like going to shot show. I don't like any kind of crowds, but you guys saw me at SHOT Show, right? But if I don't have to get into a situation, or if we're in a situation like this, my brain's going to say, hey, I don't really need to hang out with, with uh, all these people right now and put my family or whatever at risk to do it. But, but you know, I think people could do that. If they get sick or whatever from doing it, that, or they make other people that they care about sick or people that they don't know sick, yeah, that's not a good thing. But, you know, I just feel like these are people making decisions that we all make every day 
And what sets us apart is that we, we have knowledge maybe of what's safer and all that kind of stuff. Like you're talking about the, you know, shooting up in the air. I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to say what I did when I was younger living in New York City and I didn't know any better. Um, at the same time, you know, there's uh, physics and, and there's a difference between like, you know, something that's accelerating on naturally and then something that's falling naturally. We could we can argue about it. I just wouldn't do it. Right. But those people, yeah, those people doing that are making a choice and the people standing next to them, they're also making a choice. If, you know, the I don't know, 10 million in one chance or whatever, that one of those rounds is actually going to fall down and, and uh, injure them. I think it's very unlikely that it's going to come down with the same velocity that it comes out of a barrel. But right. It's, it's like this weird thing. Uh, and I'm not. It would, but that's not how it works. Right. Yeah. And the angle and everything else. But. Mm-hmm. It's um, I don't know. Uh, you know what do you what do you get when it comes? What do you what are you hearing? Mm-hmm. Mike, because this is my other concern, and either one of you guys, I guess I'm curious about you guys. What about the people that are that are still buying into the this is all a hoax mm-hmm. thing? And what message are they getting if they really? Because you talk about the knowledge. If we have the knowledge that the bullet's going to come down. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks the bullet just disappears, right? No, of course they, not. Yeah, they intellectually like intellectually mature enough or developed enough to be trusted with a gun if you don't know the bullet's coming back down somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of saying, well, it's probably not going to hurt anybody. On the other hand, there are people out there, I, uh, far too many people from what I see on social media, who still think this is some kind of hoax mm-hmm. that it's n- not really likely to hurt anybody. Yeah. So who knows? So first of all, do we think, does either one of us think this is a hoax? Yeah. If you think it's a hoax, let us know. Okay. So that's the first thing out of the way. I don't think it's a hoax. Yehuda does it. Uh, Rob does it. Just This is for the people listening on audio. Okay, so none of us think it is. Do you guys know anyone who thinks it's a hoax? I, I know a lot of people in my internet feed that are saying this is a hoax. They're saying this is nothing more than another strain of the flu. It's the same as any other flu, and the government's using this to, to enforce tyranny on us. Um, like, that's the Right. Okay, well, that's a little bit. I, I I would say it's different from any other flu because no other flu ever got well. Maybe maybe one or two. There's not hasn't been many flus that have gotten this kind of press coverage. Uh, <laughs> I would say also that it's maybe a little bit more virulent than other flus. But come on, when they're looking at the death rate here, the death rate's not super high, either, right? No, it's not. But it's a very different. It's a very different. Uh, animal. It's a very, the virus itself is different from other viruses we've dealt with. So mm-hmm. I understand, like I, said, I am sympathetic to the government's botching of this. Mm-hmm. When you go back to March 1st and, and people didn't know what the hell to do or what the hell to think. And the models were horrific, right? Mm-hmm. By the time we get to April 1st, we know a lot more. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to May 1st, mm-hmm. well, so like Clover Tack is bringing this up. He says that open mic thing about a vaccine was cor- sort of Freaky. Did you have you guys heard of this uh, open mic situation that went down? Yeah, that was two guys like giving each other shit in front of a bunch of other people for their entertainment or to mess with them. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like that's the way did I you, took did it. Did you listen to it? Yeah, and I, I took it. As, I, I did not take that as because remember, there are other people sitting in those chairs. Mm-hmm. Right. So it'd be like it'd be like if we were at the NRA annual meeting. And you you were standing there with a, uh, you know, save the second pin. And I came out off the stage after setting up my monster drink or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to worry about that anymore. LaPierre just retired. And you're like, what? Really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he he 
just put out a press release. And then somebody from the audience is like, did he really? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's all, everybody's talking about it on the floor, but I appreciate you guys being here for my seminar. So I'll be back in just a minute. And we walk off. Right. And then you're like, really? And I'm like, nah, I was just uh, No, I understand where you, I understand where you're coming from with that, Rob. Let, let's, let's see what Yehuda thinks about this first before we get, Yehuda, did you hear the, did you hear the open mic thing or no? Yeah. Um, what do you think? You, this, it's okay. Real, no, we're, you know, we're no, amongst I mean, friends. I, I like what Brick said. Real virus, fake pandemic. I mean, I, I think I, I think that we definitely have to be we definitely have to be aware of exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. Mm-hmm. Social distancing, it does work. Do it. Um, but I don't know. I so did you think did you think those guys were joking? Because Rob is saying, oh, you know, this is guys joking. They were very serious. Now I know I guess it is does depend, like Rob's saying, who who's talking. Because I know Rob could come and hit you with a freaking joke like that and you didn't even realize. Because I'm pretty sure that's happened to me before. But but usually it doesn't happen like that, right? If you hear us talking, you know, if we're having a conversation, even here, if people listen to the podcast, sometimes I say outrageous things and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, look, seriously, I, I, I'm this is not what I want to do. This is not, you know, what I would immediately do or whatever. I'm, we're having a conversation and I'm just flip showing you guys the flip side of it. There's some indication if you're joking that you're joking. Maybe you're laughing. Maybe you're saying you're joking. But I think when I listened to that, those guys sounded like they were having a serious conversation. They were spitting out statistics and all kinds of stuff. And the things that they were saying there's a vaccine that they've got, they've been hit with, right, a vaccine, and that there was a low death rate, which we know there's a low death rate. But you know that there was a, a, a paper had just come out of L.A., a very small study mm-hmm. that was suggesting, based on random testing of antibodies, that the infection rate, which everybody keeps talking about the denominator, right? Mm-hmm. To, before we know what the real mortality rate or the hospitalization rate is, we have to know how many people really got it. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, based on this study, that it had just come out, they were referencing the numbers in that study of only like 850 people or whatever mm-hmm. that's that there were a lot more people in Southern California that were infected than was being reported. And therefore, the, the, the rate must be astronomically low mm-hmm. of death. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they were playing off of. I mean, I've, I've said this about domestic, like everybody hears about 100% of the jogging trail guy with the mask that grabs the girl in the van and chops her up and, and leaves her in the park. Like 100% of those get reported. What tiny percentage of acquaintance sexual assaults actually get reported, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then forget about, I'm not talking about full on rape. I'm talking about the lingering crude, weird hug and the crude comment at the dinner party or at the Christmas party at the business. How many of those get reported, right? Mm-hmm. Something approaching. So the actual incidence of true sexual assault or, or any abuse of women in our country is astronomical. It's already too high just with the actual big acts of violence. So I think that's what's happening with coronavirus is people are getting it and they're not even hiccuping. They don't know they had it. They aren't symptomatic. They don't go to the doctor. Maybe they take some you know, Tylenol or they take some cough medicine and they move on with their lives. So we're only getting right now like the worst case scenarios. We're getting the women that get battered and end up in the hospital or the women that get killed. That's all we're getting. Mm-hmm. Right? And the problem is so much bigger. But that. Th- but that can also statistically that could also flip the other way. 
I mean, we could because we could be seeing these like incidents that are not really happening on a mass level, but everyone's thinking it's on a mass level. Well, there is that scenario, right? Like the one woman that when when women come to a women's self defense course, the week after the jogging trail guy attacks mm-hmm. somebody, they're mm-hmm. thinking about the jogging trail guy. And when they mm-hmm. come to my course, I'm giving them a wake up call, like, no, we're, this isn't about the jogging trail guy. This will help you with him, mm-hmm. but I also can help you for date rapes and acquaintance sexual assaults and all the other stuff that's infinitely more likely. Yeah. Right? It's like if people come to, if people come to a gun class after an active shooter, after a spree killer. And they're like, well, what if my, I'm, you know, I work at Walmart. What if Walmart gets attacked? I'm like, you're infinitely more likely to need to use this gun in a one-on-one thing at 12 feet than you are at 50 yards across the Walmart. Yeah. Okay. But the, okay, I understand exactly what you're saying. I just think that the nature of a virus is a little bit different from the nature, you know, even though I guess, hey, let's say it, maybe men can have uh, some rapiness in their nature. Right. You know, but I think that's that's a little different. So in other words, like you're talking about rape, sexual assault, assault and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, that's serious, you know, and this is a thing that could happen and is definitely a problem and underreported. But the but viruses and things like that work in a completely different way. I'll give you an illustration of that. Right now, everyone's saying, listen, this thing probably didn't start in March. Or February, right? that this thing has probably been around since maybe November. I know back in November, I went to uh, Vegas for the SEMA show, okay? In December, I was really, really, really sick, like I've never been in my life, for like more than a week, then it went away, then it came back again, and then the first time I didn't go to the doctors and all that, and then the second time I did, they test me like, oh, you have the B strain of the flu, right? That was in um, December, something like that. In January, all of us that are on this panel right now, we're in Las Vegas, right? We were in Vegas. There were a lot of people from outside of the country in Vegas. And some people got sick, which happens all the time, right? Everyone has their story. Oh, I went to SHOT Show. I almost died. Now, you guys could tell me what you saw. I saw something like that happen at SHOT Show that I've never seen before. I think on Wednesday and Thursday, Lola and I were going to people's booths and either the whole booth was empty or half the booth was gone. There were people that went home on Thursday when people usually go home Friday. People go home maybe at the end of Thursday, but there were people that were gone at the beginning of Thursday. We were like, hey, what's up with this? Where's everyone? Oh, these people had people who got really sick at home or they got really sick. To me, it seemed like an unnatural amount of people they were getting sick at SHOT Show, right? But everyone that went to SHOT Show didn't get sick. So I, it makes me feel like, hey, when they're saying maybe this thing has been here for a long time, maybe most Americans or a lot of Americans probably have it or have had it and built up some kind of immunity. And now what we're seeing is that some of the Americans who didn't get it are getting it. And for the people who are at risk, they're not able to handle it, and, and, and a small amount of those are dying, right? That makes th- – doesn't that make sense to you? Doesn't it somehow ring true to you or, you know, you think that, hey, that's, you know, that's just totally well, far-fetched? You don't have an antibody test, right? Huh? Did you know I took a test? No, I didn't. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I took the antibody test about 10 days ago now. Okay, what came back? That I was negative. 
which now granted a lot of these early tests have a very high false negative rate. Like they're, they're 70, 75% accurate. Apparently mm-hmm. possible that I got a false negative. They have a, they have a very low rate of false positive, meaning to say, if it says you have the antibody, you almost certainly have the antibody. Mm-hmm. If it says you don't have the antibody, you still might have it, or you might have it in, in too low a level because it's been longer. Now mm-hmm. I had a lingering cough in February. In fact, I was on a couple of podcasts and I, I even joked by the time you're getting into mid February, people are starting to talk about this. I even joked, like, I guess I got that, that Chinese virus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very, very low level was an odd deep cough. It was, mm-hmm. it was a dark cough and it was literally like a cough every four or five minutes at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, people noticed it. People noticed it when I noticed it when I was trying to do, you know, video recordings and stuff and people I spend a lot of time with noticed it. And I did have one day, you know, maybe 10 days after shot where I was, was really not feeling well at all, like, like sick, right? And I don't get sick very often, but I was on the couch that day watching movies, not doing much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I assumed, that, like so many people have, they like, we all are, I hear this all the time, right? Oh, I'm pretty sure I had it back in November. I'm pretty sure I had it back in December. Back there. I'm telling everybody who's saying that, if you haven't taken the test, knock it off because you could be creating a false sense of complacency. Okay. Um, you know, you could be creating this fight. Obviously I was at shot show. I'm shaking hands. I'm hanging out. I was over in Europe um, teaching in Switzerland when the breakout happened in Northern Italy. We actually told a couple of my students in Northern Italy, they couldn't attend the classes. Um, you know, so, so there was a lot, a lot of reason why I would think, especially I travel all the time. Still, I still move all over the country that I thought I had been exposed. I expected to see antibodies. So I'm telling everybody that that's running that line to be very, very cautious and very, very, you know, sort of self skeptical. Right. But what I'm saying, okay. But did you see people getting sick at Shot Show? I didn't. I didn't see anything. No. No. You didn't see anything unusual. I I didn't notice anything. I don't, in retrospect, say, oh yeah, no. And I'm afraid that that people might, you know, kind of want to get there. I know a lot of people that was going around a month ago and some of like the shot show attendee private groups on Facebook. Hey, I think we were all exposed. You know, wasn't shot crud worse this year than it ever was. People were sort of talking themselves into this idea. Mm -hmm. They're they're over it or they've been through it. And that might be a a mental health, you know, kind of defense mechanism is I don't have anything to worry about. I'm pretty sure I had it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on there mentally and, and sociologically. It, I think to me, some of it is also kind of like you buy a new car and you see that car on the road a lot. So we're talking a lot about the coronavirus and people are like thinking back like, oh, I was sick. People get sick all the time. Mm-hmm. Shot show run is a thing every year. And it is every year. Yeah. Was it was it any was it does it did it seem unusual to you, Yehuda? Honestly, I didn't. I mean, I saw some empty booths. But it wasn't anything that was, you know, wow, it's empty. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. I Usually, mean, I mean, I've been going to SHOT Show for like seven years. I don't – now, I know that like on Friday, especially from the middle of the day on, there's not a lot of people in booths. But you'll see like one or two people in the booths, right? And, and some people start leaving Thursday. So that's – you know, that happens. But you don't see like the whole, I've I've never seen that before in the seven years, and I and I don't know how long you've been going. I think definitely Pincus has been going uh, longer than I have. Um, this is my fourth. What's the number? Twenty-four. Twenty. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that was it was weird for me. But even okay, let's say that that's not what happened. We still participated in an experiment 
that shows us what happens with viruses, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so did you get sick there at all? Well, you said, I know you said 10 days later. So, so no, there. again, put, put, put that data into the formula we have, right, mm -hmm. where there, oh, there's a two to 15 day incubation period. So a two weeks after shot, when I, I didn't think anything of it then, right, mm -hmm. when I'm sick the first week of February. Mm -hmm. But now, by the end of February, when I'm, and I wasn't taking any, by the way, I wasn't taking any of this seriously. I was on like the Trump, you know, saying, yeah. you know, not yeah. a big deal about it, right? Not because of, he was saying it, certainly, mm -hmm. but that's where I wasn't worried about it until I landed in Switzerland or wherever I, I might have connected. But no, I guess I was in Switzerland. I think you were you were carrying it around the world, man. That's what I think. I could be. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the inbox, so I, 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 my conference is clean. Mm -hmm. uh, the but but I had the um, the sense there that it was being taken a lot more seriously, like just mm -hmm. getting. Off the newspapers, you know, the, in German and in French, where the headlines were all about coronavirus and people were really worried about it. And my host there, to his credit, he is he, he's he's got his fingers on the pulse of a lot of stuff that's going on from a disaster preparedness and from a, a, a terrorism issues and, and violence and crime all over Europe, but especially in Switzerland. He was taking this very, very seriously. He was already stockpiling stuff at his, uh, you know, kind of cabin. He has mm -hmm. a mountain family out of Geneva. And he was the one that really pressed me to not let the guys come up from Italy, which made me look closer at what was happening in Milan and around Milan. And then while I was there, the first cases were uh, diagnosed in Geneva. They were people that had attended the Fashion Week in Milan the week before. Mm -hmm. Then they told the, the Basel World, which is the big watch. watch yeah, the watch yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Uh, while I was there. And then, of course, by the end of that week, they had postponed the European SHOT Show, which was supposed to have happened two weeks later to September, and now they've canceled it. And they said, we're not even doing it this year. Um, so there was a lot that happened. So I took, I came back from Europe on the 3rd of March, taking this way more seriously than I had been and started paying a lot more attention. And that's when I thought backwards and said, gee, I wonder if I had had it. Yeah. And I mean, but while we were there, people were joking. Like, I remember people joking around about coronavirus while we were there. I remember Roy from uh, Brownells got so sick, he went to the hospital. But like you said, every year someone you know at SHOT Show winds up in the hospital. Usually yeah. that's from working all freaking day, drinking all freaking night. That's what it is. I say it's amateur. <laughs> and then everyone's sick. But the, but, and the point I'm trying to make about this, though, is like we went through that thing just in January when everyone was talking about coronavirus People in the, when we were all flying out in the airport, people had on masks, the whole nine yards, right? Okay. Some of it, yeah. Everyone from SHOT Show didn't die, right? And now, this, this virus is not um, 10, 20, 30 times more virulent than all the other things that we've had. And this is the weird thing, but the whole world has changed based off of this. So what happens next time now? What happens, like, you know, next year, what happens if one person gets sick at SHOT Show? Mike Seeklander has been calling this the pandemic with training wheels um, in our best defense survival roundtables because mm -hmm. this really does have a, a pretty low, you know, by, by the worst case scenario you come up with today, it has a low mortality rate, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it has a low hospitalization rate, too. And I think, again, as time goes on, it's going to be made even lower. Mm -hmm. And that, what he's saying is this could have been a lot worse. And it thankfully it isn't right. We could have had something that was as as transmissible as this, but as deadly as Ebola. Yeah. 
But is you know, it is it is it is that by luck that it's not as bad? Is it because we all you know went into lockdown, or you know, the, you lockdown know, would control transmissibility? It would only influence transmissibility. Lockdown can't influence the mortality rate. Yeah. Well, now, okay. So personally, I don't even think lockdown has that much to do about transmitting it. To be honest. Uh, this is just me. I'm not saying it has zero percent to do with it, but I thought lockdown was more of like, listen, we can't have everyone out on the streets doing things, going to the hospitals, clogging up the hospitals. And then if this thing gets bad, we have no way of treating people. So if you don't need to go anywhere, stay home, don't go on the streets, don't get into car accidents or whatever. If you have surgeries that aren't, you know, that are that are elective, stay home. Curve. Flatten the curve idea is, is if 100 million people are going to get it and, and 100 million people get it in a month, our healthcare system can't keep up. But if 100 million people are going to get it, we can stretch that out over five months, our healthcare system can keep up. So that's when I say the lockdown influences the frequency of transmission, but not the, the nature or the end result of how many people get it yeah. because you slow the transmission. But it doesn't affect mortality rate. The only way mortality rate gets affected by lockdown is if our medical science catches up, if we develop a treatment protocol that's better. Mm -hmm. If somebody discovers, hey, guess what? When you drink Monster, you get over this in two days instead of two weeks and you don't need a ventilator. So now, because we, we, we slowed the transmission for two or three months, by the third month when we discover that Monster is what, what cures it, now in the fourth month, everybody can come back out and get it and just drink the crap out of Monster and yeah, you'll be fine. Monsters is what's gonna cause the zombie apocalypse, but And but you know, and so I don't know. I think I mean obviously I don't wanna go on with this. Lola, you know, before Lola gets mad at me that we're going on on this particular thing. But if you look at New York State and Florida, which are pretty much you know, New York State and Florida are about the same size. I don't know if you're aware of that. I actually looked this up. They're mm -hmm. about the same size. New York has about half a million people more than Florida. Yet the way that everything that the that the virus or COVID-19 is affecting people here in Florida is completely different from New York, especially uh, New York City. Right. So what's the reason for that versus what's happening here? You know, what what's different between obviously, and especially in New York City, you have people living closer together, you know, but if you if people are staying home and staying in their apartments and not going out unless they have to, how come they're still getting sick? How come there's all these things going on? I don't know how much time you've spent there, but it's a different world. I grew up almost, there. Almost every place else in the U.S. in terms of the density and just how interconnected everybody is. I mean, you can you can say Chicago, but Chicago is is what what happens in New York City in terms of population density and lifestyle. It happens on you know one twentieth, one one thirtieth the scale, mm -hmm. right? It might be like five square blocks instead of you know eight yeah. square miles or whatever in New York. So so the, the the population density and the reliance on public transportation is a huge factor. Um, the fact that the people that are delivering the food, they're still on public transport. Like, there's a lot of things going on there. I, I have a conspiracy theorist theory about this, Rob. That's why I'm that's why I'm trying to lead into it. But I'll, go ahead. They've, from the beginning, <laughs> uh, there's been this theory that, that it thrives um, below like 72 degrees. And so when you look at Florida, Florida's had plenty of days in the last six weeks that have been above the temperature where it thrives. That does not say it's dead, it can't transmit at 80 degrees, but it does a lot better at 60 from all the, mm -hmm. the, the oxygen. Okay, I think, here's what, here's my theory. I'm gonna hit you guys with this. You guys could tell me uh, if you think I'm wrong or not. I think 
the simple difference is all the rats. That's there's more rats in New York City than people. Most people don't no, most people don't realize that though. Because they don't see it. But in every apart I don't care how much, how many tens of millions your building costs in New York City, there's rats in there. I'm telling I, you, I, I grew up in New York City. I defer first first <laughs> response. So I mean you know, I just I guess that's a possibility, you know, a little uh, rat tattoo action going on. You know, there must be some rats in some restaurants cooking the food for people. But other than that, well, we don't you don't see them in New York City, man. You don't see them, but they're living there. And right now they're coming out and saying that this is getting transmitted to cats. So there's been confirmed cases today of there was one case where no one in the family had COVID-19. Somehow the cat got it. Don't know how that happened. Um, and there was another case where someone in the family did have it and the cat got it. There's freaking tigers in, in zoos that have gotten it, right? People's dogs have gotten it. What asshole is testing a cat? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, we have a No testing one's testing the rats, though. This is the thing. I, I, I just want to derail this for a second. <laughs> Who is actually using a test kit or a swab on a cat? I don't know, man. I I don't know how you even pin it. Let me tell you, cats are dangerous. How do you even pin a cat down? Because because cat people, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the movie Cat People, like that could be Natasha Kinski, like sneaking out. She had to go there. (laughs) Come back, and she's a cat during the day, so she could got it. She was in her human form. Mm -hmm. That tiger thing makes sense to me, but not real cats. Who is actually testing the real cat? That person needs to go to jail. Someone, but listen, it's a thing. It's a thing. Maybe if if this could pass to animals, maybe the reason for this, okay, is the freaking rats in New York City all have COVID nineteen and they're just secretly passing it on to people when they're sleeping. So find this idiot that's wasting tests on cats and put them in a bin. Test the rats. We need the rat boogaloo. (laughs) Okay, all right. That's I don't. This is what we need. <laughs> Yehuda's like, oh my God, what did I get into? What did I get into today? I thought you were the same one. Yeah. How much do you want to? Okay, watch. Watch what happens. Do you remember? Wasn't it the, uh, wasn't it, uh, what was it? The Black Plague? Wasn't that spread yeah. by rats? Yeah. But that was fleas. Was it fleas? Yeah, it the, was fleas the fleas on the rats. The fleas on the rats. Okay. And then the fleas on the people. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. You know what? The point I'm making, we don't know shit about shit. That's no, I agree with that. We don't yeah. know what's going on. We don't but know we anything do. about anything. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't need to have the hard science of, mm-hmm. of what this thing's doing or how it does it to know how we can reduce the likelihood of transmission. Mm-hmm. Right. So full circle, we can do things that will reduce the likelihood of transmission. We can not shake hands. We can reduce the amount of people in a building. We can wear the face covers or full mm-hmm. masks or whatever. And I'm saying if if that allows our fellow citizens mm-hmm. to be more comfortable as we reopen our business and move forward, even if that's the only benefit, do it. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. You're talking about to, health benefit too. Okay, so to bring it back to something serious, you're talking about responsible rebellion. You know, we've seen people talking about how we're gonna go forward with this, right? One, I think they're already tracking our phones. I know uh, South Korea is already tracking people by phones. I think there's some places in America already tracking people by phones. This is not even freaking voluntary, right? 
This the, the, right now the phone companies uh, are just setting up to do it. Okay, you've got the phones. Um, lately, they've been talking about tracking people by drones. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Sure. You know, yeah. using yeah. drones to track people and look at their skin temperatures and all that kind of stuff. Cough, cough frequency as well. Yeah. So tune into the, the sound of a cough and then tracking that person to see how often they cough. Yeah. So how do we go through something like this that we have no clue? You know, we have no clue what happened, right? It may be never that we find out what really happened. It may be a long time. Yet we come out of this and from now on, they could track us by our phones, right? They can track us with drones and all the other nonsense that's coming along with this. And then every time we go through some kind of thing, oh, there's a strain of this going out there. There's a stomach bug. There's this thing or that thing. Everything gets shut down again. And people just go, oh, man, we guess we got another shutdown and things get shut down again. Like we'll, we'll never actually, they're setting us up to never live the same ever again. Well, it's Patriot Act. Patriot Act did that to us, right? And then when it came out with, that the NSA was tracking our phones and, and was, was screening all the text messages and screening everything for keywords to look for terrorist plots, um, that all was released too, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we've learned a lot about that. I, I guess there's there's the that gets us back to that question, right? When do we say no more? I, I think that if you live in Manhattan, if you live, well, like London was the first major city in, in a Western democracy to go full on cameras, facial recognition, everything else, right? Mm -hmm. So you had to make the decision, were you going to move to Cardiff? Were you going to move to the middle of nowhere in Scotland and still be a, you know, a citizen of the UK, but not live in London? Or were you going to accept it and live in London? Mm -hmm. What, you know, you had a couple cameras torn down by like, you know, dudes that really were like, no, to hell with the government. But that ended really quick. You know, and so the, the question is, what's going to happen here? Are you going to have some dude in Alabama shoot a drone down? Yep, it's going to happen, you know, and, but, but are we as a society going to reject the idea of drones patrolling the airspace for domestic law enforcement? I don't think so. I think our society is going to accept that. Mm -hmm. And I don't and like it. No. But I already, as you said, I already know this thing's listening to everything I say, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about getting a new coffee maker. I'm, I'm probably going to get an ad about coffee makers now, mm -hmm. right? I mm -hmm. get that. I know what happens. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe it was happening. I didn't want to believe it was happening two years ago. Mm -hmm. It became irrefutable. Like there were too many times when I would Google something or I would talk about something and boom, it would show up with yeah. the ad. They're that good. If, if the marketing companies are that good, you know our government's that good. I just want to know about it. That's yeah. the difference. If the government said we are now going to put drones up over Denver, now I get to decide – what I'm going to do about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to equally say, start taking temperatures. That's an invasion of privacy. That needs to be a public discussion. Yeah. Well, the weird, and the weird thing about the drone situation is that I remember, I was actually into drones a couple of years ago, you know, and I actually have a video that I put up when they started putting all these drone, drone restrictions in and you had to get licensed for like a little tiny ass drone. I was like, that's it. I'm done with drones. I'm not going to do the drone thing anymore. I've never gotten into them. I'm not going to jump through those hoops. Yeah. Worth and people are getting tickets. So how do we live in a world where me as a regular guy, I can't have a drone unless I'm licensed. But now um, some police department or whatever, they get the ability to track me by drones. You know, and I've, uh, like I was looking at an interview this morning and I saw one of the police chiefs saying, yeah, absolutely. We'll use this for other stuff. They're not just going to use it for for people uh -huh. being sick. Yeah, right. so. they'll, have keyboards, they'll have they'll have microphones out like the echo the echo location microphones that, that can uh, track 
bullets, uh, crack gunshots mm-hmm. in the cities. Mm-hmm. You know, those are capable of doing other things as well, including picking up keywords as people are walking under them on the street. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the science is there. The technology is there. We need to have a public discussion about how it's being used. There should be oversight, civilian oversight, just like there is in a lot of the, you know uh, urban environments for uh, the, the police departments and their actions. Uh, is it is it cool? Is it fair? Do I like it? Yeah. Here, the technology's here, and it's sort of like you can't put it back in the box. Now, here's the thing: just like there are entrepreneurs capitalizing on the coronavirus situation to work from home or to start up new businesses or to to make masks and sell them or whatever, like just like that's happening. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely politicians who are capitalizing on this opportunity to get more control over people, to put agendas forward. The, the, obviously, the CARES Act uh, put, had a bunch of money that was earmarked for things that a bunch of politicians wanted to get money for in the first place and for their grants to their schools that they believed in or their foundations they believed in or their programs they believed in. All of that was stuck in that you know $2.2 trillion or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the human condition. Right. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, there's going to be politicians who 10 years from now are going to say, man, couldn't have been a better time for me to have been a representative from that small, you know, this district in Illinois. Man, I'm so what if, if that guy, if anybody else had known how powerful I had become in March and April and May and June of 2020, they would have spent 50 million dollars to become the next representative from that district. Because, wow, what a time to be doling out cash if you're in one of those committees yeah. right now, right? What yeah. a time to be furthering your control agenda if you have the opportunity to do that. We need other people in the politics and in, in the oversight and in our communities to stand up and push back against that. Yeah. Uh, Imagine the power of being able to take out your enemies. Like some dude you don't like, he's walking out there and you're you're recording what he's saying. And the next thing you know, that somehow magically gets leaked. <laughs> well, it yeah. just happened in the I mean, we were all told at the NRA meetings back in January, no recording, no electronic devices. Mm-hmm. And I did by that. But somebody didn't. And Wayne LaPierre sat down in three different committee meetings and, and talked about how much money was being spent with the Brewer law firm and how much money was, it was costing his mismanagement, his bad leadership was costing the NRA. And it got recorded. And now it's in Newsweek. Right. Yeah. And it's out there. And now there's a, an unredacted version of the latest round of accusations yeah. between Ackerman Queen and, and the NRA floating around out there because they redacted it wrong. You know, I mean, we just, if you're going to, if you're going to walk down the street and say something dumb, somebody's going to have a recording of it and it's going to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, and I'm going to ask this question to Yehuda so we can get him, we can get him in here. Um, Lola wants to know, she says, what about, okay, you know what? This might, this sounds racist. I don't know if I should ask this of Yehuda. Lola says, what about financial impact in opening up America? I'm going to ask the Jewish guy first. I said, what's the question again? Yeah. <laughs> she says, what about financial impact in opening up America? <laughs> what you, Look. So, I okay, I didn't even plan that for anyone who just wants to say I'm trying to say something. <laughs> Um, no, I, I honestly think we, we have to open up America. Um, I think it's, it's imperative. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I still think since this discussion is called responsible rebellion, even though you're not necessarily rebelling, be sp- be smart, be responsible. If you are going to go into a store to buy flowers, to buy whatever else, whatever item you don't necessarily need, you just want, abide by the social distancing. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask if you feel it's necessary. Be smart about it. But I think right now 
there are so many people suffering. Uh, um, I, I forgot, maybe maybe Rob saw it too. I don't remember. I saw someone say that the different there, there's people who are sick are quarantined. People who are healthy, uh, God, what was it? They're not necessarily being quarantined. It's not called quarantine if you're healthy, mm-hmm. right? Right. If you're sick, you go into quarantine. If you're not sick, then let us live our lives. Yeah. You're on lockdown, basically, right? You're in some kind of lockdown. We're on lockdown. But yeah. how, how about we are responsible individuals? And like I said, me personally, when I go out, I don't necessarily wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel it's necessary where I live. But that said, at the same time, if I want to go to Target down the block from my house – they won't let me in if I don't have a mask. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that mm-hmm. it was a, a ridiculous uh, call by some dumb judge in Dallas here. Right. Yeah, but, let's remind everyone you're in Cali, right? No, Texas. Oh, you're I'm in Texas. Dallas. Oh, okay. I don't know why I'm, I thought you were in Cali. I'm from Cali originally. Oh, right, right. Okay, okay. But my point is that... Mm-hmm. In I Texas? That, in Walmart? In, in Target in Texas? What? Well, I got a Walmart to the left and a Target to the right. And the Target in Texas is making you wear a mask. Otherwise, you can't in go. Da- in Dallas, in Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Dallas County yeah. only. Uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, huh? Well, uh, Rob? <laughs> what was that, Rob? Yeah, it's Texas, but it's a pretty... Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. liberal part of Texas, though. Uh, yeah, it, it, Dallas only. So, you know... <laughs> that doesn't I, make I, it right. I don't think it's right. Yeah. You know, like I said, I think that we must start opening up businesses. Um, people are hurting way too much. Uh, a $1,200 check will be good for a day. Mm-hmm. Hell, if I, if, I, if I end up getting a $1,200 check, literally the day I get it, I am spending it. Did you and get any nothing, Trump money? Either one of you guys get any Trump money? Nothing, nothing no. yet. Yeah, me neither. But me neither. No Trump money if for I, us. If I, do, if I do get it, it's not going to the new gun that I'm dying for, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to pay bills. It's going to pay what whatever else it mm-hmm. needs, it needs. But that's good for maybe one month. If you do not get people back who have been using their savings, getting them back to start making money again, I, I'm you know you're going to have a lot more problems and a lot more God deaths from poverty than you will from yeah. I mean, twelve hundred bucks. Twelve hundred bucks doesn't even pay for what it costs for me to have this studio here to do the show every month. Right. That's I think maybe half of what it costs. Maybe, you know, we've got to rent a space, pay uh, electric electric bills and and internet bills and all kinds of things. So um, pay for the services and things like that. So yeah, and and you know, I think we're all kind of like small business. That's how we run what we're doing, right? We're right. all small business. Yeah, I don't think any of the small business people got that thing either. I know a couple of people who've gotten some 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 of the, the stimulus money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know several people that have what I would consider large businesses mm-hmm. in the in the small business, the SBA world, because like what was it, less than five hundred employees? Yeah, what the hell is that, man? A, 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 employees, you're not a small business. Yeah, a company that has five hundred employees, and then I think they said that. So if you're a chain. So let's right. say, you're, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're a chain, if you're Walmart, and that means each Walmart store has to have more than 500. What Walmart has more than 500 employees? 
it, it boggles my mind. Like, yeah. so the way if you're if you're the auto industry or the airline industry or the hotel industry, we're mm-hmm. also going to give you special money. But if you have less, you know, I just it was all mm-hmm. a scam. It's all a scam. It's socialism scam anyway. The twelve hundred dollars is socialism scam. Uh, don't fall for it. I don't think the reason to reopen America is financial. It's not economic. Um, I think it's our way of life. I think it's getting back to living. I think people are getting. There are way too many people get complacent. They believe the government's yeah. going to, well, they're going to forgive our taxes. They're going to forgive yeah. our loans. Or, or they're getting yeah. used to being home. I mean, I was talking to, uh, downstairs is a barbershop, actually, and I was talking to the barber. He wasn't working for anyone who wants to know. Obviously, I didn't get a haircut. But he was like, you know what? Being in the shop feels weird. I was like, dude, don't let that happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> don't let, that's what you're talking about, right? <laughs> Absolutely. People are getting people are getting too complacent with this. And like I said, the restaurant owner is like, well, my employees say they're making more now. And the thing is, we all know yeah. like how it works when you're working in the service industry. Like the tips, I'm not saying nobody claims anything, but I would say very few people claim everything that comes in on a cash tip yeah. basis, right? So yeah. if someone's saying, Well, look, I only made seven hundred dollars, they're lying to themselves because they know they made nine hundred dollars mm-hmm. that week, not seven hundred. Mm-hmm. But you claim seven hundred and now you're getting a thousand on your unemployment, so you're like, Oh, I'm making out. You're not making out because you're also sitting on your couch wasting your life. People believe that. I was talking to uh, my dealership and they were t- telling me that they furloughed a couple of people to the dealership, right? Like sales guys. And then business kind of picked up. So they're like, listen, um, you guys want to come back. You know, we've stuff's happening over here. We need you guys. They said that most, most, more than 70 percent of those guys said, nope, I'm not coming back. I'm doing better being on unemployment. And, you know, a lot of those guys are working side jobs. We all know how that works, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I were going to claim. So people have been there. I've been attacked. By just very few people, but it's, it's come up like, oh, you're being greedy. You just want to, you just want your business to open back up. Personal Defense Network is doing just fine, and Personal yeah. Defense Network is more than fifty percent when it comes down to like what I actually, not on a paper revenue basis, because obviously like the in-person training generates a lot of revenue, but it also carries a huge overhead. I chose to cancel the tour and cancel my classes and cancel all the revenue from sponsors and everything else long before I had to. And it, it, there were too many variables. There were too many unknowns. There were questions about whether the venues would or could host classes. There were questions about whether it was res- personally, if I thought it was responsible to have people travel to take classes with me. For me to travel so, so, so I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off here, Rob, but are you in business or not in business right now? So the training company is shut down. My next classes on the training schedule are in September. Oh. Personal okay. network, however, okay. is still operating, mm-hmm. right? And there's some other consulting things I do that I'm still doing, you know, from home or travel or in person or whatever. But, 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 but I think like training was deemed essential, right or wrong? Yeah. So so now, in, okay. in, in so I made that decision in early March when okay. I got back. I made the decision because there were too many. The other thing you got to remember is that when I do the tour. I have these sponsors that pay money and they get, they send product. They expect me to interact with students and they, they were asking all the right questions. Well, mm-hmm. how do you think this is going to affect attendance? Are you going to have a thousand students on the tour this year or 500 or what's going to happen? Okay. How many classes are going to be canceled? I couldn't answer any of those questions, not, not with any integrity. And I didn't want to be answering in July for money and faith that was put into my hands that I couldn't deliver on. So I just said, you know what? I'm in a position where the smartest thing for me to do is to say no. Now, some of that money, let's say somebody was going to sponsor the tour. Maybe they're doing something else with Personal Defense Network, right? Or they were going to promote their products and and demonstrate their products on the tour. Maybe I'm going to do something else. So some of that is shifted. But at the end of the day, I've lost a colossal amount of Mm -hmm. revenue 
because I've canceled in-person training. Right. I can cover what I need to cover with the revenue that comes from distance education and other activities. But as far as like, you know, bottom line profit, like I'm not going to be running out and, and spending a bunch of extra money this year. I'm not going to be spending a bunch of time in Europe in the fall. I'm not going to be joining. I'm not going to be taking deliveries from some of the wine clubs I'm part of. Like this will absolutely affect my bottom line. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, no, no new suits, no new suits. Yeah, I, I had to buy one in February. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that he's going to do, Yehuda. You see how that works? He had to get a suit. Yehuda, are you shut down? Before we get deeper into this, are you completely shut down halfway? I mean, the only, the only thing that's really affecting me right now mm-hmm. is my printer, his turnaround is much slower. Um, and that's because mainly uh, shipment shipping, whoever they use to ship, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting people emailing me. Usually if someone ordered a shirt or a poster or something off my website, 12 days, within 12 days, they usually get it mm-hmm. now taking upwards of two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm just answering emails. So that, that's the really only, um, effect I'm getting. I mean, I work from home anyways, mm-hmm. so I'm just doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I didn't mean to cut you off there, Rob. Um, so on the financial aspect of it, how much longer do you guys feel like, hey, we could just keep doing this or we pass that point where people have to get back to what they're doing because we're, we're just printing money or not even printing it, just digitally. We were at that point. Mm-hmm. Our country, mm-hmm. the percent of our country that lives paycheck to paycheck, we, were, we could not afford to shut down ever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Never we could afford to do economically. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the reason that I'm pushing for us to get back to work is not as much financial as it is more like almost spiritual. It's like the way of life. The, the fact that we need to get, again, going to the park. If you can't, you may not be in a position to open your business. You may not control whether your boss opens your business or not. Mm-hmm. Your boss open the business but not have room for you to work. Mm-hmm. If you're collecting unemployment go to the park if you're if you're collecting unemployment and you can support a local business that does open go support that business i understand there's people out there that are really really in dire straits financially and don't know where the next you know pile of food is coming from and they're in line into food banks and everything else mm-hmm. right like i get that i'm in i'm in a very lucky position with a good network of people and, a, and you know a revenue stream that is still continuing to sustain me and my daughter and what i need to do and a good network of friends to help out when I need helping out and, and business collaborators and everything else. So I, I consider myself fortunate in that way. Believe me, none of it's planning and stockpiling by any stretch, you know, as mm-hmm. far as cash. But there are people that aren't in that position. They need to work. They need to hustle. They need to make things happen. I get that too. They need to so stay in the groove. They need to stay to in the, the economic group. reality. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying oil prices have crashed. We need to get back to work. Mm-hmm. I would never say that. That's yeah. on the oil is someone's is I'm sorry, is someone's battery dying? I heard I heard a sound. I don't know. I'm on the computer plugged oh. in. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, go ahead. But you know see what I'm saying? So it's uh, to me the economy the economy isn't the reason to get back to work. Mm-hmm. The 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 world, the life, the new normal, the the keeping people productive, the keeping people like animated, the the will to find a way to survive in the new world. Like in the new normal, I think that's incredibly important to foster. I think the faster we get back to work, the faster we get people out there, the less complacent people are going to be. Because if people are sitting on their couch thinking, well, we'll have a vaccine, 
that vaccine might be a year away. It might be two years away or it might never show up. By the so time get they on. get that vaccine, this won't even be relative. There'll be some other disease. You've got to find a way yeah. past other than yeah. medical surgery. Yeah. So so on that subject, I think we got like nine minutes or so. Here's what I would like to get from you guys. Right. We're talking about you're talking about the new world after this. And obviously, we've seen a lot of politicians trying to use this opportunity to put laws in effect. We talked about all that. What do you guys and I'll start with Yehuda on this one. What do you think? What would you like to see done differently in the world after this that, you know, while we're going through all of this, you guys see like, man, this is not working. Yeah, that's a great question. You want me to go to Rob first? Yeah, go to <laughs> Rob. You, I, that's a good that in. Okay, Rob. <laughs> the biggest thing that I want to come from this is more uh, distance education and more working from home or okay. telecommuting as it's called. I want to see that adopted at a much larger scale. Now, here's the trick. I think th there's the capitalist version of this, which people are being very negative about. They're saying, oh, companies are going to realize they don't have to rent the space, pay for the electricity, deal with the loss of time. They can afford, they can, they can increase their profit margin by having people work from home. Fine. But here's the real benefit. Not only an economic benefit, I think that public schools have just had to step up in a way that they never thought was going to happen for distance education. I would like to see public school powered homeschool. Okay. So curriculum, enrollment in the local school, maybe kids go to school two days a week, maybe kids go to school one day a week, they still go to assemblies, they still have the sports, yeah. they still have the extra yeah. Or they could get extra credit or something if they want right. to, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. but they, that way they still get the social aspect, they mm -hmm. still get the shop class, they still get the drama class, they still get all the things that come from public schools, big believer in the public school system when it's done right, but let the families have more family time and let people spend more time at home together. And let's get parents being better parents too, by the way, because parents have had to step up as well in this educational role. So I would love to see that happen as a long-term benefit post-corona crisis. Mm -hmm. Public school system powered homeschooling with some kind of partial at the school, partial at the home that allows people to take advantage of the opportunity to work from yeah. home and spend more time with their family. I like that. And also, I mean, we should have taken this opportunity while kids weren't in the school to harden a lot of these schools, you know. And we could have probably even been training some people to help protect these kids in the school during this time. Um, Yehuda, do you, what you got? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're all uh, in the firearms industry. We all know plenty of people who are new gun owners, panic buyers, stuff like that. I would like to see those people who are new gun owners, people who just either, either new gun owners because they actually are into it, or even panic buyers now come to new appreciation of the Second Amendment, and we can grow our numbers through education, including, like Rob was saying, distance education, and be able to educate these people on the importance of the Second Amendment. And it's very possible we just got a you know a, a huge uptick of two-way supporters. Mm -hmm. As long as we don't all come off like total a holes, and, <laughs> that's you know, true, <laughs> and, and, and make fun of them, um, mm -hmm. to go, oh, now you get it. But, you know, if we can actually mm -hmm. reach out, we can really convert a lot of these new gun owners to become, uh, to, to I guess increase our our uh, two a support. 
Yeah, I think. Oh, okay, someone's someone's ready for uh, story time. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think that's a good point. And I think when you look at what's happening on social media, which we didn't get a chance to deep dive into here, like my uh, Facebook page was unpublished seven weeks ago, and no matter who they go to, they cannot get it restored, even though they keep putting it up for being restored. For whatever reason, they re- refuse to do it. Um, so a couple days ago, Guns and Gear got his Facebook page unpublished. Lots of other people, too. It's not just him. On YouTube, people have been entirely kicked off or completely demonetized. I think what you're saying there, Yehuda, you know, one of the biggest reasons why we do this is to educate people. And if some of those things that we're showing people, like, how does this gun work? How do you take it apart? How do you clean it? How do you do this? How do you do that? This would be a good opportunity if the industry is looking for a reason to come in and support something like that to help educate people and have what all of us have somewhere, right? The educational part of what we do to to be able to take advantage of that and say, hey, guys, you can't get your videos seen here. Put them here and everyone, you know, can at least access that. And then you could do whatever the the platforms want. Yeah. You know, I've Um, said that a thousand times every time this comes up, every time when it's Jaeger, when it's, you know, uh, military arms. Now it's Mm -hmm. Mr. Guns in here. You've had your issues a couple times. Like every time it comes up, I remind everybody, 2010, we built Personal Defense Network. It's a standalone platform. We don't distribute that stuff very much at all on the social media, we use social media to drive people back to PDN because mm-hmm. we can publish whatever we want there. So I always mm-hmm. say, people want to publish and you lost your voice in social media or you want to say things you think are going to get you kicked off, run it by me because I'll mm-hmm. put you in our blog or I'll make you a regular contributor. We'll give you a live broadcast shows. We have all that capability. You know, so, so but the problem what, is- What kind of capacity can you handle if people seriously started coming over to you? Oh, we have, we have- I don't know, 750,000 members across our platform. No, but what I'm saying is what if all of a sudden you got a thousand gun guys? Well, we wouldn't take on a thousand gun guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think there's a thousand gun guys worth publishing, but okay. there's 50, right? Mm-hmm. There's 50 gun guys worth publishing out there for sure. And we would, we could scale up. Like I said, remember that, that personal events network has a parent company that owns 14 brands that have, you know, over 750,000, I think playing paying members at this point. Plus mm-hmm. forget about, registrants and all the visitors it's a pretty powerful system we run our own email servers and everything else mm-hmm. uh, it, we but we, we've learned because pdn sort of like the bastard stepchild because the sewing community and the motorcycle community and the quilting community and the model railroad and bowling and golf they can all advertise freely and do whatever they want yeah. on social media and we have to realize the difference with the pdn world right mm-hmm. so so we have a platform that's incredibly robust it can handle a lot to help people out and or just give people that home but Eric Blanford made the case that I've always made is we don't really want to just run away and sequester ourselves. Eric Blanford in his appeal to help out Mr. Guns and Gear made it very clear we can't run away from social media. We want to be here influencing. We want to be here catching those new gun owners. We want to be here catching the people in the middle ground and refuting mm-hmm. the people's anti-gun. So yeah. I don't think we should all run away. We need to be doing what we're doing. And that means following the rules and, and maybe hedging our bets a little bit so we don't lose our channels. Yeah, I, I, you know, I understand exactly where Eric is coming from. I've seen him. Um, he's been saying that for a long time. I think he has a point. You know, this is the big playground, YouTube and Facebook and all these other things. Um, if there's certain content they don't want on there, you know, it would be great to be able to put that somewhere else. 
it would also be even greater for somehow to be able to get something back from that, right? Because it takes uh, time, energy, all that kind of stuff to produce those things. It would be great if there was a way that folks can make something from that and then use uh, the, the big social media platforms almost as a way to funnel audiences over. So you're, you're doing stuff and you're like, hey, you're doing whatever they say. Okay, now they've changed the rules to this. You do it and you say, you know what, guys, if you want to see more detailed stuff, go over here. But we've got to create ways that because for the people who are professionally creating this content, like you just said, out of a thousand people, maybe only 50 of those people have really valuable uh, content. You know, I think they should somehow be rewarded for that. Dude, we, we were doing DVDs since 2005. We started streaming in 2010. We still produce. I, I think there's more content at Personal Defense Network than any other standalone platform out there as far as personal defense training and armed defense training, certainly. And we've done it with a bunch of different contributors and a bunch of different instructors have been part of it. And it's there. And I use social media to drive people over there. I don't charge money. I don't do the Patreon. I don't do the I don't monetize YouTube. Personal Defense Network doesn't monetize YouTube. We barely get any views on our channel. We use all this to drive back to our platform, you know, just in terms of community. And what I do on social media is much more about the advocacy and the politics and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a Cindy Lou and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. She, by the way, is telling me it's dinner time. Yeah, here. exactly. Yeah, we got to cut this short. You know what? I, I wish someone would put some kind of conference together about this, Rob. I don't know. Maybe some professional guy that likes to wear suits and shave his head bald or, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should figure out a way to do a conference and have like a conversation with the, you know, with the folks out there about how to make this better. I, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. You know, we've got, we've got some allies, too, who are working with us in, in the community through NSSF and through other organizations to try to make the relationship with social media better. Um, but it's hard. And, it's, and I've always said, hey, it's their platform. They owe us nothing. Mm -hmm. Facebook us nothing youtube owes us nothing yeah right? but we owe ourselves everything that's right and that means we have to play by their rules and also hedge our bets and that doesn't mean a backup account that means you know gun streamer it means personal defense network it means you know full 30 it means all those other things yeah okay okay awesome i know you got to go really quickly there's some people lola says that wants to know what's up with the gun so we made an announcement I did it on April 1st because I think I'm funny. Uh -huh. uh, I told everybody that PD-10, as a model, we're moving on. Like we're taking all the lessons learned from that gun. We've changed that gun internally and externally for production and for men. Oh, she said I am funny. See? She said uh, – <laughs> I hope that she meant it. The, uh, we've taken everything we've learned. We've done, been doing – we restructured the company. Everybody knew that in May – Mike Sedini and I went out on our own without our partners at Eagle Imports. He left Eagle Imports also as president, really to do Walk the Talk America and Avidity Arms full time. So we've learned so much about the relationship with our vendors, our parts, our, our processes, that in order to streamline, to get from where we've been trying to make this leap from we can make guns to we can sell guns, from you know production and fabrication to true manufacturing, so we can sell thousands of them. In making that leap, we've also learned a lot about how to make these parts better, make the gun better, make it more durable, make it more reliable, make it more affordable, make it easier to get parts from vendors. The changes are so significant, mostly internally, um, as well as some changes we're making externally and, and to the like length of the barrel, for example, for export, that we're just gonna move forward. So the working title is the PD-11. We're probably gonna change that name too, but um, lots of big things are happening 
Um, we just ordered a whole new set of dies for all of our stamped parts. Um, so there's a lot of money being spent, a lot of things being done, but um, it's, it's really a reboot on the gun itself. Okay, so, um, cool. Okay, all right. So quickly, because I know you got to go here. We might let you go, and then you, Yehuda and I will continue here to the end. How can people support you, man? What's the best way so people support you, get in touch with you? SharePersonalDefenseNetwork.com with all these new gun owners. And if you haven't checked out PersonalDefenseNetwork.com, go check it out. Sign up for – be a premium member. There's a bunch of stuff behind the paywall. There's a lot of good distance education classes at Personal Defense Network Academy. And then just like and share the post. If you like the things I said about Responsible Rebellion, go to the Responsible Rebellion Facebook page, like it and share it. Go to the Responsible Rebellion at Responsible Rebellion Instagram page and DM me. Send me private messages. Give me your thoughts on the content and your thoughts on what it means to be responsibly rebellious in this time of incredibly oppressive restriction. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to hold you, man. If you got to jump off, I know your daughter looks ready. <laughs> I know. Seven o'clock here. We're gonna we're gonna get some food in her belly and mine yeah. too. Uh, appreciate you guys. Love you guys, man. You guys All right. Take it All right, Rob. Thanks a lot. All right, Yehuda. Um, as we're uh, as as we're getting ready to go here, can you tell the folks? I know we didn't get a chance today to talk a lot about it, but uh, how can the folks out there uh, that want to support you? How can they do that? I notice you're rocking that. Uh, looks like MTV, but it's M16 shirt. Yeah. Boom. Show, let's show that off a Thank little bit. You, sir. I want my M16. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my shirts on my website. You can go to the pewpewjew.com. Um, I also added um, some artwork that I've designed. Cool. Oh, that like, uh, that poster back there? That's nice. That's, um, what, that's MP MP5. <sighs> Very nice. Yeah. yeah. So I have, a, I have a bunch of fun stuff. Um, yeah, I've added a ton of new stuff since uh, we were last there. But uh, if people want to find me, they can go to the pewpewjew.com. I'm on Instagram under the pewpewjew, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all under the pewpewjew. Awesome. Yeah, please do support Yehuda. He helped us out. I know uh, Lolo is having some issues getting our like store and everything set up, and he uh, helped her out to get that set up. So, you know – just go over there and support him just, you know, for supporting me. Um, I would appreciate that. I do want to thank everyone for joining us here. I want to remind folks, go to HankStrange.com. Okay, that's uh, that's the place to go to. Sign up for the email list. We're giving away things. Uh, we got patches and stuff like that. Yehuda, we had, the, we had the first patch. Now we got another patch that we're adding. I'm calling that, like, the Hank Strange Super Suit patch. It's got the, the blaster in it. I was going to say, that, that's your Space Force one, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got some designs like this that will be coming out. You guys can get that on the .com. Uh, make sure, like uh, Pincus was saying, you know, he, he told you guys how to support him. Support him, support Yahuda, all the people that come on here. I appreciate that. I am going to drop the end of the video here for everyone. You know, make sure you guys subscribe, thumbs up, ring the bell so that you can be notified. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming in. You can find this on audio. It's on uh, iTunes and all the places that you get audio books, as well as HankStrange.com. You could go there and, and you'd be able to get that. Don't forget about Hank20 at Sportsman's Guide. When you check out, that gets you $20 off if you spend $100 um, on anything except ammo. So go there. We'll be back tomorrow. Shout out to Walther Arms for supporting us. Yehuda, any final words? I know you didn't get a lot of stuff in today, but I think it was a great show. Yeah, no, it was a great <laughs> show. It's... You know, I love being on shows with Rob yeah. because 
he does a lot of the talking, which is great. Yeah, he could and he could multitask. Also, yeah, but you know, I also I also agree with all, with a lot of what he says, mm-hmm. and he really does come from a rational point of view. Mm-hmm. At least I, I believe so. Yeah. So I always enjoy it because I end up being so much more uh, a lot more educated by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, it it is what it is. Also, it was, Rob it, is what you like. What the what the what Rod. Rob is projecting to people the best way to say it. What he's projecting, he's really that. You know, like how exactly. like how he was talking about a long time ago at Knob Creek, how those guys were. Rob is one of the people I could point to. There's lots of guys in the gun community like this, but he's open and welcoming to everyone. Yeah. You know, um, that's something I've always appreciated about him. I know people get mad at him sometimes. You know, maybe there's something that he said they don't understand exactly where he's coming from. But I think he's a really good guy. He's definitely deserving of our support. Yeah, yeah look, I, I've, I, Rob, um, got him, I went blank. Rob endorsed my first book mm-hmm. uh, when it first came out. And since then, he has been nothing but uh, a, a fan uh, inspiration, uh, advisor. I mean, he's been all around just great for me and he's mm-hmm. always had my back. Um, he's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I love Rob. Yeah. Same here. Fe- feelings mutual. Same with you, man. I appreciate your support. We got to try to like get you back on here. Uh, you know, um, you- You tell me when, I will always make time for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone out there. We are out of here. Uh, Any last words, man? Any last words? Nah, I'm good. Okay, look out for those rats in New York City. That's all I got to say. (laughs) We're out of here. Peace.